0: Welcome to Church Jams Now, the podcast where three former youth group kids and current music nerds deep dive into Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. I, of course, am your co-host, Kylan Savage. With me, as always, is Mr. TJ Smith. Hey, how's it going, friend? (laughs) It's going. There it is. And, of course, we have beautiful producer, Josh. Who? Who? Who, me? Yes. (laughs) Yes, you. But, gentlemen, we have a veritable barnyard today. Which we will get into because we have a special guest, Ben Soy of the Denver Emo Band, A Place for Owls. Ben, how's it going? Good. What up? Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. I am so excited to talk about this album that we're going to talk about, but we will get there. We've got plenty of time. Unless you have a hard out, which we haven't <laughs> discussed. Okay.
1: Okay, cool. I, 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 I did okay, cool. Some inside baseball, folks.
2: Oh, and we're yeah. like two minutes in. Yeah. Okay. So, and Ben already has to leave, yep. Right,
0: yeah, yeah. Yep. He's got 20 minutes out.
1: and then he's done. All right, In cool. a minute.
0: Ben, I want to talk to you which is why I invited you on the show. God, this is that already going sense, off Kyler. the rails. Yep. That yep. makes sense, buddy. Um,
2: <laughs> if you, I, yeah. Good news. If you
0: wanted to talk to Ben, <laughs> you can. Yep, yep, yep. So, right here, so bud. Here it is. Um, okay, so the first thing I usually ask people is I'm very interested in origin stories. So our show is, of course, about Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. And I want to know your origin story in terms of, How did you get involved in, you know, quote unquote, Christian music? What was the music you grew up listening to? Did this come later? Was it, you know, the first thing, the only thing you could listen to, et cetera, et cetera?
3: Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, I grew up in West Virginia, which doesn't have a lot going on as far as like culture. Uh, Country Roads is basically. They (laughs) got that. that. (laughs)
2: That's their claim
3: to fame. Yeah, the, our, our culture evolved to the point where John Denver from another
1: state wrote a song. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you know what I know a lot about? This place that I'm not from.
3: Yeah, Let me tell like, you about it. Yeah, and it was, it's always a point of pain that when he says uh, Shenandoah River, Shenandoah it, River is not in West Virginia. It's in Western Virginia. You're singing not even about, oh, no. uh, about yeah. us. Oh, no. So there's a little bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I grew up in youth group. Youth group became a big deal because my parents split up when I was like 14 or 15 and the, you know, home was fairly chaotic. And so my friends that I knew from youth group and also I, I, my parents before they split up stuck me in a uh, fundamentalist Baptist high school, middle school and high school. So to like, no rock music allowed we're wearing khakis uh de- denim is not too far off from devil which was literally the title of <laughs> sermon oh <heard> no. <laughs> in wow. yeah and but this was like not, my parents are not fundamentalists they're like mainline liberal uh, lutheran sort of folks but they were just like they stuck me in this fundamentalist baptist school then uh, quickly the home life sort of disintegrated anyways Mm. So I went to like the edgy, kind of cool big mega church, you know, uh, non-denominational youth group on Wednesday nights. And then Monday through Friday, I'm in school where like rock music is bad, right? That was my exposure to music. And I'm like learning guitar. I'm uh it's wild that we're doing this album because I actually asked to when I was in high school. I had a band called the Soybeans. My last name is Sogway, nice. and we were a ska <laughs> a ska band. <laughs>
1: oh so, yes! <Hell> yeah. <laughs> oh, take a drink, listeners. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> got a great bad ska band name cited. A real ska band name. And by the way, Ben, just for the record, I mean bad. Good. Let's. Yes. Clarify. Yeah.
3: No. It's it's not a great. It's not a great name. But it is my last name and soybean, so it worked. Uh, two O's, right? So good, I love it. Uh, we asked, we got asked to play, do music for like a youth event in, uh, in youth group, and we wanted to play Big Trucks by Pedro the Lion. Nice. And the, our youth pastor would not allow us to play the song because it had the phrase "flip off" in oh. the chorus. <laughs> yep. And and he That's was like are we encouraging people to flip flip people off or whatever and i'm like if anything pastor donovan it's a
0: it's a traffic safety <laughs> song. yeah yeah awareness Keep out there cool. yeah right. it's all about uh, keeping uh, your cool yeah i it's, mean it's, it's, youth yeah. pastors in general i feel like are you know not not to generalize but i feel like subtlety within art is not a strong suit of that, of of the people that typically are drawn to that job position. <laughs>
1: Unless you're the There's... cool youth pastor that probably only holds the job down for like a year. Right. Yeah. Until then... things start to, uh, until this shakes apart. There no, no
3: nuance uh, in in Pastor Donovan's mindset. So I was getting into that sort of youth group music, but I was always angsty and sad. And so I'd gravitate towards the angstiest and saddest oh, yeah. Christian Christian music that I could find. Uh, found the anxious and saddest in pedro the lion all of the above i also discovered a bunch of just music in general through the weezer message boards uh was an active part of my teenage life uh and i discovered like get up kids and american football and Mm -hmm. like mock orange and a bunch of really sick emo bands from that and that's actually where i heard about pedro was not like a on the youth group poster for like, if you like nine inch nails, try, <laughs> right, you know, right. whatever. Right. Uh, it, <laughs> try not Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't uh, a bad experience for me. Pedro, I actually heard from like non-Christian people like right, that. I should right. like listen to it uh first, but then I was like, Oh shoot, this guy's singing about Jesus.
2: And so it, like, <laughs>
3: It gravitated, right? It clicked. Yeah.
2: What Uh, year is this that you like become a Pedro fan?
3: This is probably 2000, 2001. I graduated high school in 2004. Okay. So this probably was 2000, 2001 when I'm getting into Pedro. Cool.
0: I want to talk a little bit because I I, want to get into before we get into the album, you know, we'll all talk a little more of like our experiences with this album but I want to do a little bit of like a an interview kind of thing so I want to talk about a place for owls a little bit Me too I feel like you kind of run in the in similar circles to what the Church James now Twitter does and I've always been drawn to the things that that you post Ben I I love following you all on Twitter and I feel like like Twitter or X I'm sorry has has been a really good uh, place for your band. I don't know what was it Twitter specifically that got y'all the Switchfoot gigs? Yeah, yeah. Because I, nice. I I remember like like kind of just seeing that unfold, and it was crazy. Can can you tell people about that a little bit? So
3: uh one of the things that I do, just because I've seen other bands that I like do it, is you just. The one of the first things that we got noticed for, we were just like, Hey, Wendy's, the hamburger restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: you I came out swinging,
3: Ben. Yeah, I think you'd <laughs> like uh, Denver Emo Band, A Place for Owls. And uh, we asked Wendy's for like two months to listen to us. And then finally, Wendy's, this was like our first <laughs> when we just had singles out or whatever before our first LP. They listened to one of our singles and they were like, oh, sick. Sounds like Jimmy World. That just like made our lives. <laughs> we're like, the the poor son of a bitch that manages the Wendy's Twitter. He's like, God damn it. I got to and- listen to this email, band. They keep bugging yeah, yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he said we sound like Jimmy World. So, <laughs> That's uh, so I just got into a habit of whenever I would. See that someone was like, if Dave Bizon was on Twitter again and after not being on Twitter, I'd be like, Dave Bazan, listen to my band, you know, <laughs> and
1: <laughs> just hoping to and, catch him in a vulnerable moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh... oh, okay, sure. Why I've not? got three minutes to kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, Switchfoot announced that they're doing this 20th anniversary tour for the beautiful letdown. they mm-hmm. uh, one of their biggest records, the record that they broke into the mainstream with. Right. And they misspelled Denver on the poster. They called it Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Denver. <laughs> with an M. And so I I just was, I just, I quote tweeted and said Denver. And then uh, like seven or 10 of my friends just immediately were like, Denver, 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 Denver. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, and then John Foreman, like seven or eight uh, tweets down of people just saying Denver, comes in to the the comments and says Denver, and so I was yes. like, okay, John Foreman <laughs> playing <the> along, <laughs> San Diego uh, emotional rock group. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just I just said, hey, at you know at John Foreman at Switchfoot, whatever, I think you'd like my band. Check us out, and then Tim, his brother Tim, plays bass in Switchfoot. Right, Tim right. Foreman. Tim shows up like an hour later, like not even no, like not a, at a specific amount of time and just said, yes, thank you for recommending this. I do indeed like this record. Um, <laughs> no
1: big deal. Okay,
3: You're right. And I don't think I I would not be playing guitar right now without the meant to live riff. Um, right. Like oh, for sure. it, it just like changed. I was like, oh, you can play in drop D like, you know, right. it was just.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah game changer yeah, yeah yeah ben this is the podcast for you we we <laughs> yeah. are your people yes like Weird. that is i one hundred thousand percent
1: relate we're on the level man with all this yeah
0: so so anyways so
3: we thought nothing the group chat explodes immediately because we're all youth group kids right and so we're we're just like can you fucking believe that <laughs> fucking <laughs> <Vorman?"> <laughs> like yeah, be he amazing. liked our like the dude that wrote the bass parts to the thing that made me think like, oh, you can play bass and be funky or whatever, right? Uh, he he listened to our album, so we we explode internally and uh, think nothing of it. A month and a half later, we get an email from uh, from someone who claims to be the booking agent for Switchfoot <laughs> yeah. and says, "Hey, are you available to play with them on these three dates?" That was Denver, our hometown show. Billings, Montana, which Nick Weber, who's in my band, he's from Billings, okay, uh, and Salt Lake City. I was like, yes, yes, yeah. I literally, you know, yelled "What the f" as loud as <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and and uh, Daniel's boys uh, are upstairs, uh, and the and they're like, Uncle Ben, we heard you yell, <laughs> oh, <God>. busted, yeah. <laughs> so, but then Daniel, I run up to his office, and I'm like. Did you see about Switchfoot? And he goes, "It's a scam. It's like not. It's not. Real. Someone's <laughs> someone's absolutely trolling. Like who? What? Why? why? Yeah, that like, would be my right. first thought, honestly."
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, like, so, no. anyways, it we we Google searched this guy. He actually does work for this booking agency. The booking agency lists Switchfoot as one of their clients. We're like, okay, let's at least res- engage with this like it's real, sure. right? Until they ask for five hundred dollars or whatever <laughs> right. with yeah, deposit, yeah, right. you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, anyways, it was real. So we opened for them in Denver. We opened for them in Billings, Montana, and Salt Lake. And we had just toured uh Salt Lake earlier this year in April. Um, nice. To and we played to thirty-five people at a pizza place, and then all of a <laughs> sudden, all wow. of a sudden, we're playing uh, uh, the one big capacity club. You know, we're playing to two thousand right. people in Salt wow. Lake. It was a wild. It was a wild experience. Hmm.
1: That's unreal, man. That's so cool. I love it. So the moral of the story is bother people on Twitter and you might get a cool run of some opening show dates.
0: The moral of the story is <laughs> TJ, you got to get on Twitter, man.
1: Apparently. Jeez. <laughs> nothing nothing has convinced me so far, but this might be yeah. it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's I I think about it in the terms of like
0: marriage or whatever. It's only got to work once. You know, like <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's true. Yeah. You're not wrong. That is so true. It's true, it's true.
0: Now, okay, I want to shift over a little bit. Oh, I do want to say, everyone, listen to Denver Emo Band, A Place for Owls, because you guys are fucking rad. Denver, Um, Kylan. Denver, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Denver. I want to switch over to It's Hard to Find a Friend and Pedro the Lion in general, so, I will say also, one of the reasons i I really honed in on wanting to get you on the show was you tweeted like like a month or two ago, randomly, you said something about Anathala oh and, right, and we covered Anathala forgot about uh, this. as a TJ wish list record. It's true. They are a big band for T.J. Yeah, all the I
2: records you it. listed when Kylan sent them to me, I was like, wow, him and TJ are going to be best friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, great. Oh, this is a, this
0: is a TJ wishlist guest, and he doesn't even know. Yeah. And we settled on. It's hard to find a friend. The nineteen ninety eight. Oh, we, album, didn't, we didn't. We didn't. didn't settle like
3: we. You know, this was like the <laughs> fifth or eighth choice. No, 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 no. We no, kept this shooting
1: was you down. Nope. Pick another one. Pick another one. Then, we were thrilled was... <laughs> to
0: decide. So excited. To yes, yes. We. I. As I said, I think we 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 talked in our twenty twenty two wrap up, like who are your dream guests, and and I've been saying Dave is on, like from day one. Like mm-hmm. I think when we published the first episode of the podcast, I was like, I'm gonna start a Twitter. I'm gonna message Dave Bizant. I'm gonna see if he'll be on our show. And is it's it's that same kind of hubris is not the right word. It's that same kind of Luckiness. like yes, yes. Moxie. Moxie's
2: Moxie. good. I like that. Naivete. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you
3: go. Thank holy you for bringing wolf. us <laughs> back down to earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I describe it as holy. You're a holy fool. You're just like you're a dumbass. Well, like yeah, you're, you're, but you're something it really works. pure. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right.
0: There are like a few bands, like Pedro the Lion, fits the best within this. Like, you know, we we've done a couple bands, like I would say, Rocket Summer or Love Drug, that are christian adjacent right right but still we're on Uh, tooth and nail or whatever right i'm i'm pushing for like brand new episode a Paramore episode pedro the lion seems to be seems seems to fit the best within that and i've been so excited to talk about it so i want to talk about why you love this record and why you want to talk about this record tonight
3: well, it was one of the first things I heard that sort of blew my mind as a, a burgeoning guitar player. Um, so again, it was uh, a lot of it was drop D, which was after right. learning, you know, "Here Comes the Sun" by the Beatles or whatever. Like that was like the next thing to sort of figure out how to do riffs. He also, it's a three piece. It's it's Dave Bazan and a bass player on this album, right? So right. Dave's playing guitar and drums mm-hmm. on the record. It was so minimalistic in approach. So, because it's he's not, he's not, he, he's recording himself, but he's not doubling guitars. There's essentially one guitar part that acts, and the bass sort of acts like a mm. second melodic instrument. They're both playing counter melodies to each other. Mm. So, this just blew my little mind. And there is a deep earnestness. About mm. this record that really connected with me, and a deep cynicism mm-hmm. that really connected with me, and and Bazan is one of those that I've never seen anybody else be both the most hard on their sleeve tender person, but also the biggest cynical son of a bitch that you've ever met. You know, like mm, yeah, and he somehow in it's his what song he does writing, well, man. Yeah, he embodies both, and it was crazy. And even you know at the time I had. A lot of feelings because you know, like my family of origins falling apart. The girl that I really liked in high school didn't like me. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not a particularly good student, but I was really good at like choir and band, and speech and drama and that sort of right. stuff. And so I'm trying to figure out who am I and what what value do I bring to the world. And I felt even at 15 or whatever, like a tortured misunderstood artist that oh, like yeah. the world the world
1: <laughs> the world didn't get for sure and
3: so uh, we don't know
1: anything about that ben i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> right and so we don't relate
3: all that all that sort of i found intuitively i would i would not be able to ver- like at 15 when i first heard this record i wouldn't have been able to verbalize it that way right. to you but that's sure. all the things that i found about it and it just um, I also did discover Death Cab around the same time, and
0: oh, well, which yep. which Death Cab record in particular? We we have the facts, facts, and we're oh, voting okay. yes. So yes. the only way that I can
3: describe it is there's a grayness to both our records, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it, they're not bright and colorful. There's just like a like even the production choices on when I was listening through earlier today to it's, it's hard to find a friend. I'm like, this is. This is wild. This is not. Yeah. This is not the how to of how do you make a like a record that sounds good. But it sounds the best like that right. I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah.
4: Mm.
0: That one two punch of being fifteen and discovering Pedro and Death Cab is just.
2: That's what's light. wild to me though, because I know if I was fifteen and I heard Pedro being like, "This is slow and soft and boring," <laughs> I want under oath or something like that like but you were into it so i was like wow did, good for you man you got some I, patience i actually i did not get into heavy
3: music until there were um heavier bands that friends were into that actually had good lyrics lyrics have always been the thing that oh I'm see into. i told you tj mm-hmm.
1: ben's <laughs> gonna be your new best friend you're gonna start a new podcast with ben <laughs> yep
4: ben jams now let's go
1: yeah i that. Mean, <laughs>
3: So uh, it wasn't until uh, Mew Thought You, Brother, Sister, that I first, that was one of my first heavier records. I hated... kind
1: of unlocked it for you a little yeah, bit.
3: I hated Catch for Us, the Foxes when I first heard it, because I was like, this is mm-hmm. this is not music, you know? And <laughs> right, I love that. Right. It, it, I, I love that record now. But, uh, and then it was Thrice and Thursday were two mm. of the heavier bands that the guitarist and the Soybeans, my ska band from high school, word was into it he actually printed off the lyrics for songs for brother sister for me and he said just read this as poetry mm-hmm. That's And then, so good i yeah, love that that was the thing that got me into heavier music so the slowness i didn't want fast i wanted slow and melancholy that was your speed. Like, yeah
1: yeah exactly you're like this is mellow and laid back and we're in our feelings yes it's perfect
3: <laughs> there were there were years in that era where i would fall asleep to either we have the facts and we're voting yes or it's hard to find a friend or one of the slower uh pager records they're just
2: like part yeah. of your subconscious now because of it yeah Yep. Mm. that's great
0: okay so i want to know from josh and tj what is your context with with pager the lion in general and this record specifically well,
2: I got into Pedro a little bit later, probably like within the last ten years. I didn't. I haven't really even gone like back this far fully. Like most of my Pedro stuff is like options and on. So, or not options. Um, control. control. Yeah, control is yeah. control. Options. My favorite song on that on that record. Um, from <laughs> control and on. That was the first one I got into, and so I haven't done all that much and like listened to some of Dave's solo records since. Um. And then I I really love the new Pedro stuff he's been putting out the last two records, like when well, Phoenix Josh, came out. we've I'll... talked about that. Like yeah. so,
0: so, fun fact, so Josh and I regularly, I'm sorry TJ, we don't include you in this, but we know that you hate lists.
2: <laughs> he, he doesn't like lists, yeah.
0: <laughs> but Josh and I will regularly just randomly text each other, here's a band or artist, give me your top 10 list. And we just recently did Pedro. We did our Pedro list and we have both like, of us.
2: We had like five that were like in the same order too. Like same song, mm-hmm. same placement. It was mm-hmm. a, a And there huge was a lot
0: of, of newer Pedro the Lion yeah. on both of those. So
2: yeah, I love the newer stuff he's doing with the last two records. So like yeah, when Phoenix came out I was like, this is the Pedro that I want where it's like a little bit bigger the Days real into minimal production. I love a little bit more fuller maximal production. So it's still minimal, but it's like really sounds good and everything. So uh, honestly, I think I'd like maybe thrown this record on before, but like this and like Winners Never Quit, I've, I think I've listened to once or twice, but not like didn't like dig into them. All my Pedro stuff is like, I'm aware of the first two records, but most of it is Control and Onward for me. Right.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of similar. I was aware of Pedro kind of through the mid-aughts, like high school, like late high school days for me, but never super into those records, Control and Achilles, Heel and all that. Like I I was just kind of aware of them and I and I really didn't know anything about this record. I knew it existed. I, I hadn't really listened to it at all. Um, I fell head over heels for Curse Your Branches. So, yeah, was on sense. solo stuff like that hit me at the right time in the right way and it was this synthesized articulation of the same critiques that I was having and issues that I was kind of working right. through and, and felt kind of like you said earlier Ben like this perfect balance of being so emotionally genuine and raw hard on sleep but also bringing some some critique and some cynicism to the table um, that we that we all I think experience in our own way from time to time. And I I, I liked a lot of the other albums. I really like Care, but uh, a lot of some of the other ones in between. It, I wouldn't say they got lost on me. I just like didn't delve into them as much. So it was kind of like, "Curse Your Branches" hit, and I was like, "Okay, this is great." And then I kind of dabbled with those older. Pedro albums a little more like I had been aware of them then I was actually listening to them, um, mostly control, yeah, and then and then really like care and obviously Havasu and Phoenix, uh, yeah, are, those are those are money, so right. that's kind of I, I I'm I'm a little a little bit of a mishmash when it comes to my my knowledge base with with Bazan and Pedro as a whole, so this was this was all new to me, oh uh, that's great nice. I love that. Yeah, it was interesting. I'm, I'm very excited cool to, to, to comb through it all, get into that.
0: Yeah, Kyle, what about you? I just now realized that we've kind of gone out of order. Josh, I usually ask you to do our little research corner before we get into this, but it's fine. you know what? It's fine, switch it up. I'm just, I'm feeling emotional. You know, I'm feeling, I'm <laughs> feeling vibes. Yeah, exactly. It, this feels this is right. For this feels right yep. for, for the Pedro episode. Okay. This record I came to a little bit later. Control was a really big record for me. And I have I have a I don't know if it's a fun fact, <laughs> but <laughs> it's 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 a fact. My my high school band, The Truth About Movie Stars, we when we came out with our Black and White Affair EP, that was 2007? No, 2006. The guy that we got to mix and master the record, when we gave him all of the tracks, he was like, hey, give me a couple of albums that you really love, that you kind of want this to sound like. And he was some like random guy in Salem Springs, Arkansas, who had a studio, and at that time, I was super into plans, something about airplanes, death cab and the dust of retreat by Margot and the nuclear so-and-sos. So I had, I had no context for like what he was going to do with the record. And the reason for me that this Mm -hmm. is a fun fact is because if you listen to this, you will have no idea because it does not come across at all. And there's no way to verify (laughs) this, (laughs) but I gave him those records and he was like, Oh, okay, cool. You want this to sound like Pedro the Lion? And I wanted (laughs) to sound like really cool. I was like, yeah, totally. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's what I missed. And and he mixed it. And in that time, I was like, okay, I think I should listen. Like, this dude is like (laughs) really cool. I should check out Pedro (laughs) the Lion. Uh, And Control just like blew me away. Nice. And then Cursor Branches came out and I saw Dave Bazan do I don't know if it was on that tour but I mm. saw him do that album uh Was he doing it with Theater. a bander in house like house shows? House shows. Yeah. House shows. And then I went back and I was like, "Oh, well fuck me. Like why have I not been listening to this from day one? <laughs> <laughs> like like this is incredible." Right. And then this album became, you know, it was big in my rotation. Listeners of this show will know that I typically hate long songs, long albums. Mid-tempo stuff. Tempo. Mid-tempo. Yeah. But, you know, there are also a few exceptions to that rule. The National is my favorite band. I am a multifaceted cinnamon roll of a man. Cinnamon roll of and, a man. And this Contains <laughs> multitudes. Yes, this album has been big listening. It's a big road trip album for me. Hmm. Specifically- so you can fall so... asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, so everyone else can fall asleep. Okay, so, there you Josh, go. Josh, I guess now I should hand it over to you to give us some context <laughs> of who the heck is Pedro the Lion. Oh, what the heck I is this album? love like, to tell give you. Give us some more context. I do want to ask Ben real quick, though,
2: because you mentioned- dave touring and i do want to ask ben did you see the because we were talking about me without you before we started recording did you see the pedro me without you tour a couple years ago no oh no i
3: I know i know i saw i saw pedro on the phoenix tour when they got the band you know the full band Mm -hmm. sort of back together and then that was great yeah brother and i saw i've seen me without you like six or seven or eight times uh in my life and saw them both on the brother sister tour and uh, farewell uh tour but i did not see nice. them did not see them together
2: oh dang it was like it's like the ultimate like bands bands tour it felt like right <laughs> <Yep>. yeah yeah <laughs> your favorite band's favorite bands tour yep mm-hmm. yeah true <laughs> nice okay all right well i will do some quick research for us Pedro the lion originally from seattle washington but dave is not from seattle he has Six records coming out, talking about where all the places he's from, actually. So two have already come (laughs) out. So pay attention to the next four that are coming out. I am very excited for those. Uh, The career is from 1995 to 2006, where he then hung it up and dropped the Pedro moniker, went Dave Bazon for a while, and then brought it back in 2017. And he's gone on record saying that he kind of regrets having so many different like side projects. And he's like, just do it under one name. And I was like, yeah, that's good. I tell Kyle that all the time. (laughs) <laughs> I know you do. You do. I want to. I'm start just quoting like Dave. just bands. quoting Dave Bazan. Man, he seems like I he know. knows what he's talking about. Good wisdom. Yep. And then, as Ben already mentioned, uh, for this record, it is Dave Bazan playing everything except for bass, who is which is played by Jonathan Ford. This record, it's hard to find a friend, was released originally November third, nineteen ninety-eight. So it just turned twenty-five years old, which is pretty great timing, Ben. Great job on that. It did get remastered and re-released by Jade Tree in two thousand one. This was Pedro's debut full-length LP, originally released on Made in Mexico Records and then reissued by Jade Tree again, produced by Dave Bazan. Songwriting credits, I thought this was funny, uh, is that they are all written by Dave, uh, but his little music publishing for CSAC is Juan the Owl. So there's Pedro the Lion and Juan (laughs) the Owl. And then a fun fact is I saw that three of Pedro's... So Pedro has eight songs with one million plus streams on Spotify and three of them are on this record.
1: Wow. And that's all I got. Okay. Nice.
0: Before we take a break, Ben, do you have anything else you want to add? So usually we split our recordings up into two different sessions and we do this sort of like walk down memory lane kind of thing and then give our predictions on whether the album is a flop or a bop. But this week... We already listened to it. So before we get into our part B, I want to know if there's anything else that you want to say about this record.
3: Well, I think that this one, among the folks that love Bazan and and Page of the Lion, this record, It's Hard to Find a Friend, seems to have found a sort of like cult-like status. Um, For whatever reason, uh, it was, uh, Dave made the decision to do an anniversary tour both for control, which is the big one, right? Mm-hmm. That most people like the gateway drug for Pedro right. records. Mm-hmm. And he also did an anniversary of "It's Hard to Find a Friend," and he played every song from both records, but on shuffle. So he, uh, they did not play it front to back. So interesting. We'll, this this one, and we'll get into it when we get into the actual songs. But for whatever reason, both for it seems like for Dave Bizon. And for the sort of Ride or Die fan community, this one is like a Holy Grail level uh, record, I would add.
1: Sweet. That's good context. Yeah, Yeah. Hopefully that'll prevent us from all the folks out there that are really upset about all the facts that we mangle. (laughs) You're at least getting ahead of that. Yeah. Part of it for us, so thanks, Ben. Appreciate that.
3: Yeah, i'll I'll be the I'll be the Bazan lore keeper. Okay, <laughs> uh, David, <laughs> please, Thank you. you know, we need that. We need Dave. That. Uh, Dave Bazan is essentially my Bob Dylan. I I I yeah, obsessed sick. over this dude's songwriting uh, and have so many thoughts. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. You're gonna listen to some ads, and when we get back, we will deep dive into 1998's. It's hard to find a friend by Pedro the Lion. Right. Hey jammers. I always feel weird calling saying jammers. Why? No. Right. It's, it's the best. Because we don't we don't do it consistently enough.
1: We only do it whenever it deserves. It's not to be overused.
0: Used. That's true. All you right, hey special jammers. Thanks for taking time out of your podcast listening experience to join us here in Adland where we're going to talk about Clyde Records.
1: Clyderecords.com Records. Clyde in fact is the the url that you would want to go to to experience everything that collide records has to offer and it is amazing what do they what do they have they got
2: all kinds of music that you would want cds vinyl music that we cover on the show that a lot of artists that you'll hear here and then also just other artists is not limited to that so you can pick up Something that you're hearing us talk about on the show, and then something else, you know, that just came out from a big time artist. They got anything that you want, really. YouTube, YouTube. They got that new, yeah, Songs of Surrender, that big old box set. Got that. And the cool thing is that they've got big releases, but they've also got some like pretty niche stuff in there that like it's hard to find, Mm -hmm. especially if you're looking at CDs. I've picked up a few rare CDs from Collide, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. So they got some good stuff on there to find stuff that you can't really find in print anymore.
0: That's the coolest thing. You know, for all of you haters out there saying that we sold out, uh uh uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Kylan. That
2: Everyone's saying movie. that about us these days.
1: Uh uh uh. <laughs> Listeners, he just waved his finger, he wagged his finger at us. This is legitimately staying in the Please, no, please. For <laughs> <sure>. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> Yeah, no, we love Collide Records, man, because like, yeah, the inventory that they have is just astounding uh, for music nerds like ourselves. And for our listeners, if you find something that you really like on CollideRecords.com at checkout, if you type in Church Jams Now in the promo code section, you get 20% off that's so good your first purchase yeah you get 20% off your first purchase which is just I think we rad. can all confirm that it does uh, work yes yeah. yes we've all confirmed that it works which it's is so cool, cool. yeah uh, I love being able to partner with Collide Records I'm gonna say it one more time and then we'll get back to the show visit CollideRecords.com and if you find something that you really love when you're checking out in the promo code section type in Church Gems now for 20% off your first purchase sweet sweet savings Uh 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 uh. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Welcome back to Church James. Now, hope you enjoyed those ads as much as we enjoyed making them. We still have Ben Soy here from A Place for Owls. We have not taken any time. Like (laughs) usually, we take a week to listen to the record, but guess what? We already did. We're so prepared today. I know we are so prepared, so professional. I do have to ask before we go track by track, does anyone have any general thoughts about this album?
1: I have a question that I wonder if Ben could answer or maybe either you two gentlemen. Do we know about the album art? Do we know if it was like a photo from the session tracking Mm. it? Or was it a random picture of a drum set? Do we have any idea?
3: Yeah, the lore is that it's, it's Dave's like, his first drum set so when he wrote the song on one of the leader records my first drum set that's the drum set that's uh, the drum set nice. Nice. Wow. yeah wow so the i think it's from kids. i think it's
2: from the session or from recording around it cool that's
1: great i was hoping it would be something
2: like that so thanks even sweet. for for some reason for me i always get this and the only reason i feel secure like switched all the time so even when tj mentioned the artwork the only reason i feel secure artwork came up to my head and i was like No, wait, it's the drum set one. Like, Yeah. I just have to remember which is which.
3: Well, I first heard uh, the discography a little bit mixed up because, you know, I came of age in the Spotify, not Spotify, but Napster era and Kazaa. And uh, like, so I've, the first exposure that I had to Page of the Line was just a bunch of random songs from records that were already out. And then it was after the fact that I like, researched on early days internet like what albums are they from and then begged my mom to either order them online or take me to an actual record store or the christian bookstore because they were distributed there wait too. which christian bookstore oh god it was lifeway
2: yes okay mm. cj and <laughs> listeners take a drink take a drink it's hard to imagine <laughs> that page of the line would be in christian bookstores nowadays that's crazy dude he was he was solid no
3: solidly in, ensconced and in, in that seeing and in the, oh. the even though Jade Tree was not which was his main label was not to my knowledge known for putting out Christian mm-hmm. records or whatever they would just put out right embo or what we might call indie rock or college rock stuff but yeah man it was it was one of those like if you, it got sold at Lifeway then it's approved by mom and yep. dad already yeah. right
1: yep <laughs> stamp of approval also great use of the word ensconced Ben. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for that. Yeah. Thank you.
0: All right, guys. Let's go ahead and dive right into it. Pull esteem Curtis Chapman, with track number one of Up and Coming Monarchs.
4: This was, the, for whatever
3: reason, this was the track that I had the least... Thoughts on uh, hmm. um, <laughs> the it. I have uh, I have vibe thoughts on this song. It is uh, it's lazy. It's almost mm-hmm. like there's a slowness to it that's just like there's like a it's it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. for a guitar mm-hmm. player to play that slow. Which it makes sense that Dave is on the drummer because actually the hardest thing to do is keep time the slower that you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's easy to keep a tempo when you're when you're playing fast or right. whatever. True. So that's the only thought I really have on this track is just like a vibe thought.
1: Well, and I was going to ask about the drums. Like, do we know, was this cut on tape? Because there are some moments that feel like actual cuts. And there's like a pop at a certain point that feels like he either punched in or it was like looped that that it was yeah. like copied and pasted drum parts which is interesting because it almost has this like chopped and screwed kind of postal service feel but it's if it's taped right. then that's like actually it's it's right in that liminal space of like the analog to yeah. digital yeah world. i mean it's so it's
3: recorded in 98 so it's got to be digital interfaces were not widely widely used right and dude is mostly recording at home or at least demoing right. at right. home at this point. So yeah, I would imagine I don't know the I don't know if for a fact, but I would imagine
1: that this is to tape. That would make sense. There's a specific moment, there's one around 225 that sounds like it's the vocal. Um there's like a cut kind of thing and then there's another spot that feels like it's just the left pan of the drum track around like 230 mm. that has like a little cut, a little break and you can you can hear kind of the the sonics just changing. And then coming back, and it's kind of interesting. Like it, it I couldn't tell if I liked it or hated it, but it drew me in and it made me think. It's more, the rawness you know? of it, yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> totally. so
0: so the most interesting thing to me about this song is we just talked to Davey Basinger from Bleach. Their last record, "Farewell, Old Friends," from 2005, also starts with a song that is kind of slow. And in six eight. And yeah. the coolest mm. thing about that was like it felt like a band that knew what they were doing and were leading you along. You know, they were like holding mm-hmm. your hand. As a musician, it feels like a super confident move to yep. open an album with a song that's mid tempo in six eight. Yeah. It's 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 for me probably the weakest track. On the right.
3: mm. on the record, and Ooh, okay. it's it, it's a it's a big dick energy to just be like,
0: for <laughs> sure, like yeah, exactly. It's a bold like, move. Yeah, okay. This is what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, because there are some there are a couple of songs that you would be like, oh, this could be an obvious choice for first song, but it's like I'm putting this here, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the one you would least expect,
1: probably. Yeah. It's kind of wild. And
0: I... and like T J said, I don't know if I love it or I hate it.
1: Yeah. But yeah. it drew me in. The part that works for me is the bass line and just how the bass. whole song, yeah, so sweet. So. It's, it's super warm, you know, it's very like catchy and it just rocks you kind of gently. It's like, mm-hmm. it feels very warm, even in spite of some very melancholic kind of slacker vocals that are overall pretty sad. You know, <laughs> like, it's like bummer indie rock for sure. But the, but the warm bass line carries you along and just like balances that out. A little bit for you but yeah it is a weird it's a weird choice for an opening track
2: yeah and my sure. big note was Dave saying I'm gonna start my r- first record off with a song about draft dodging
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's yeah. how I want to put my mark in the world right
1: Right. and it's a cool like I wonder how how much of it because I feel like one thing I noticed over the course of this album that I that I've seen him do more and more and to better effect maybe as his career has gone on, but the one thing that's interesting is the way he kind of blends metaphor and autobiographical content. Mm-hmm. It's yes. not a straight-ahead analogy or story song. It's not a straight-ahead biographical song. It's kind of this weird muddled mixture, and yet it works. You know, like yeah. I think you have to be kind of good at what at what you're doing to be able to pull that off. <laughs> to use a, a like a giraffe dodging analogy it's like where did and, you get also, that man where did it the, come
3: from the, the hook of the chorus is canada's not what she used
2: to be like right. what do you what do you see about me <laughs> <laughs> not gonna be torn in canada anytime soon d yeah <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> crazy that's great so ben Pretty this is there. not your favorite song on the record want
0: to okay cool cool i'm excited to find out what it's Okay, my last note is more songs should reference mermaids. Agreed. (laughs) There's not enough mermaid content in music in general.
1: And that whole line is great. The mermaids teach us how to breathe beneath the line that now divides action from apathy. That's Mm -hmm. a great line. It really is. is. I still...
3: I still I vaguely know what that means. Like, I, right. I kind of get yeah, into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's in a that's sense, the, that, I get That's it. the
0: whole thing, right? Of, like, you know, it's it's a little bit, Ben, you said, like, Dave Azan was like, you're Bob Dylan. And this feels very Bob Dylan. And kind of going back to what TJ said of, like, the autobiographical mixed with the metaphor. Like, it yeah, feels very, like, classic myth. Yeah. Yes. Right when you think you're on the same page, you're like, well, what the fuck was that? It changes it up <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Keeps yeah. you guessing. You think about it a little yeah. bit further and you're like, well that that doesn't quite work for my what I was thinking. Like, There's really something else makes right sense, yeah. But vibe wise, yeah, I'm here for it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's more accessible than like a Radiohead
3: lyric where you're you actually abs- he's not actually singing about anything, right? Yep, just right, other right. than what the feeling it
1: is. Uh, yeah, it's but one degree more accessible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Pedro, which the is line, cool, one degree more accessible, more than accessible than
0: Radiohead. <laughs> I love that. That's the selling point. All right, well, yep. the longer I lay here, the more I want to talk about the next song. Here we go. Track number two The Longer I Lay Here.
3: The drum machine or whatever the metronome yeah. stuff that he's got it going on. Sounds that's... like a
1: straight up metronome, to be honest. Yeah.
3: And it's it's also clearly the analog in a room with him. You yep. can hear in the acoustic the guitar tracks and the vocal tracks, you can hear the chair squeak that he's sitting on. Mm-hmm. So I really am drawn into like the um just the realness or the like this is a human being. Because you know, yep. sometimes uh especially with with bands that have become huge for me, I'd like think about them as godlike or whatever right and and it's just that this is this is a 20 a something dude in a room, right rec- you know home recording doing this stuff himself. Yeah uh, the other thing that uh, I think is interesting about this song is I have a vivid memory. Of having a debate with uh, a guy in high school about this song, whether it was about laziness or masturbation, mm. uh, what's <laughs> what <laughs> what's sin, yeah. you know, like sweet Jesus, <laughs> I need you forgive me this sin. Like, what is he, right? What is he repenting of in the song? Uh-huh. And it, I'm on the team of it's it's laziness. But he goes, mm. No, listen to him sing. It sounds so ridiculous. He's saying dick. It's because <laughs> oh, <laughs> he has to rhyme man. with lick this. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> yikes. I mean, look, if he wants to interpret it that way, that's his prerogative, right? I yeah, mean, he literally
2: true. says laziness
1: in the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And with a line like excellence, industry, diligence. It's, yeah. It's kind of obvious. Yeah. Like, the dichotomy he's creating there, you know. I don't but know. I might be I team
0: masturbation, like... which is
1: maybe <laughs> the weirdest be. thing I've said on this. <laughs> show. We're definitely using that. <laughs> we are absolutely pulling that. For the socials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, No, you know what? I see it. Yeah.
0: No, I see it. I see it. That makes sense to me. All <laughs> right, man cool
2: that guy from high school got another champion <laughs> another another convert
1: yep he's winning souls to his cause yeah <laughs>
2: there's
3: there's a there's also a minimalism to the approach to this song again it's like mm-hmm. you know the mm-hmm. I, I didn't have the language of slow core or whatever yeah, when sure. uh when i was listening to this record for the first time but it's just like there's so much space between each strum and even the guitar solo that just happened, the bow mm-hmm. bow. Yeah, I bow, think it starts just, at one twenty-five. Yeah. It's just it's a ridiculous Spacious. amount of space. You're you're not like again, there's a confidence that I perceive mm-hmm. of you're not try you're not anxious that people are not gonna pay attention to you unless you're really zippy and quick or
2: whatever. Yeah. yeah. There's just like a here's what it is. Yep. Yeah, because he's like this is a good song for track 2 after my Draft for dodging song two, like
1: right. Dave, what are you yeah, doing Yeah it's bro? wild <laughs> Yeah it is really wild like what a choice and like we I I talk about like try hardness and how that kind of is a is a turn off for me with a lot of music um and he is like the antithesis is anti try hard <laughs> to your point right. Ben he's just like this is what it is man like I'm not I don't care Bazan had a,
3: had a tweet uh, just very recently reflecting on how most of his music career has been coping for his profound laziness and undiagnosed ADD. Like the choices that he's made have been like, I couldn't even imagine holding a desk job. And mm-hmm. so I went into music because I somehow thought that that would just be easier. I could be lazier. Like totally. doing
1: that. To and... support our theory about what this song is about. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not Cuyland. That's, that's but, real life.
3: <laughs> yeah. And it's it's wild that he, I view him, he's a tour doc. He's on the road oh, all yeah. the time. For sure. I view him as like one of the hardest working songwriters that it's, that's doing it. Uh, mm. And he certainly worked really hard on the craft of being able to write a killer hook and uh, uh, engrossing guitar parts and bass lines. And it's not like that's all just intuitive to him. He clearly has labored, you For know, sure. over yeah. that.
2: No, I mean, he always has an album coming out within, like, what's the longest he's had a gap between records, like three years maybe or something? Four yeah, maybe. yeah.
3: and then even in those, because I don't know if you guys were tracking post Curse Your Branches, what uh, the, the, the Care and the Blanco records, those mm-hmm. came mm-hmm. out because he was doing this thing where he was releasing a song to, like, whether it was Patreon subscribers or something. Yeah. yeah I think it, was it was a
1: subscription based thing. I remember that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a song or two, like an A side B side single once a month. And then he mm-hmm. paired that down and I'm forgetting whether that, which record came first here Blanco. or Blanco, but it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Blanco's first. Yeah. So it, he paired those songs down to be Blanco and, uh, so like dudes working hard, yeah. But in ways that seem lazy to him. So it, again, one of the themes of this record for me is self-loathing yeah. and mm. spiritual self-loathing. Mm-hmm. And he's so goddamn hard on his characters. Now whether mm. the characters are him or right. a proxy or whatever else, his he does not
2: seem to like his narrators. Yep.
1: Yeah, uh, right.
2: I'm so glad that we have Lore Master Ben here because there's <laughs> a lot of these songs that are taken from different characters and stuff like that. And, like, I'm like, obviously, Dave's not writing the song about himself for certain things, but this was one I was like, I feel like there's some autobiographicalness in here. So, but from yep. what you're saying, is like, it, it, this seems like one of the more autobiographical
1: ones on the record. I think so. Because
2: that's what I was feeling, but I was like, maybe that's just like
0: good songwriting.
1: So. I mean, it could be either way, but I do feel like he is one of those that is hard on sleeve in that way. Right.
0: Well, you know, the. Not to be like too pedantic about it, but I feel like some of the most effective songwriting is like the more specific you can get, the more universal it can be accepted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. And he
1: sticks to those like simple, big truths and issues that are both personal and become universal so and i feel like when you see him live that becomes even more evident because a lot of his banter in between songs reflects the read of like a lot of these songs are very autobiographical even if there is some like big myth kind of stuff happening and some metaphor and mermaids like (laughs) there's still also plenty of of actual bazon in there you know Um,
3: uh i'll i'll mention this so i saw him play these songs live as mm -hmm. in david Bazan, 2023 he played like secret of the easy oak and promise and very christian songs Mm -hmm. and uh he only create and this was actually i perceived it as creative he changed the lyrics like three times on the Mm -hmm. album in order to, I think what I read from him is more authentically embody what was going on in, in the song based upon yep. where he's at right now. Yep. But then he even talked about how, like, there's there's a lot of baked in misogyny and hate of, like, resentment towards women. And, like, there's just, there's things that, like, he viewed himself when he wrote these songs as more emotionally immature right mm-hmm. uh then then he perceives himself now and to see him now go back to these songs and pull them and figure out what can i authentically embody How can still, i make this work yeah yeah right. yeah yeah that's wow. that's hard work yeah
1: so to yeah. instead of just choosing not to play them right because yes. he could have done that he could have been like you know what these songs don't work anymore he yes. made the more difficult choice and the more interesting choice in my opinion of like Workshopping them, making them work in twenty twenty three for for yeah, like you're saying, what's authentic ben, for him? Ben,
0: I'm 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 so really cool. curious as a creator, as a songwriter, how you feel about that changing lyrics? Because I could go either way, you know what I mean? Like like I'm often of the opinion that a song is a time capsule. Uh, yep. Right. Like it is. It is a crystallization of how I was feeling in this particular moment about this specific thing, right. uh, and so revisiting that work is—is is that something that interests you? Like, like with the songs you've written, or you can I don't know uh, if,
3: it, yeah, if if a song doesn't resonate with me anymore, like I feel like it was a little bit angrier or more resentful or more immature than I am feeling currently. I typically, thank God, almost no one cares about my back catalog of my old bands <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> right? Because, right. you know, there's th- there's no expectation that people bring to me of, oh, you have to play this one song from your first album from 2006. I'm like, brother, that was like six projects right. ago. We're not, yeah, yeah. We're not- <laughs> no, like, no one knows that shit, you know? but if there was an expectation I don't think I would be able to fulfill that for people and that's mm. what that's what Bazan did for the longest time he, when he played live people would request secret of AbZoke well' you know we'll talk more at length about that but mm-hmm. like it's the big earnest Jesus E1 and he for about seven or eight years did not play it like absolutely could not play it people would request right. it and be like I'm so I'm so sorry I'm not there anymore Mm-hmm. He, when he played it live, he was like, I've now found pieces of this song that feel really good to play it again. And right. I don't know what that means for him spiritually or theologically or whatever, but like he was able, he seems, it wasn't just a money grab, like I'm going to play the whole, all the trunk of the album. Right? No, it He's, was
1: that he arrived there in that yes, place as that's a person. Right. That's yeah. right. That's so cool. Yeah. I feel like my take on it is like, kind of like you're saying Josh, Kyle, and y'all agree a song is a time capsule. I'm a time capsule guy. I think yeah. so. Yeah. So I kind of see both. I think the recorded version of the song is the time capsule that meets right. that need. But You'll always how have you that. you interpret key. it? The listener can live? go and listen to so it. Yeah, and then the way, the way the artist gets to sort of play with form and decide to make changes if they want to can bring it into the present moment, right? Whatever yeah. that is, whenever that is, 2073, 2023. 20, 2003 you know so i feel like like i've got a song that i changed the pronoun from he to she because that feels more correct for me right now um and it's a it's a one word change that's it let's that's see one letter change. change one letter yeah thank you even more <laughs> minimalistic but but it really does make all the difference and it makes it something that i can sing authentically and in a grounded way that feels correct for me and you can still go listen if anybody cares (laughs) to the original version (laughs) Um, and, and hear that. I I do. I feel like it's kind of this, this pliable thing. You can, you can have this, the contained song that is and always will be what it was when it was originally recorded and live that way. And you can play with it.
3: Yeah, for real. There's an interesting thing that I think happens with the songs where they're both owned by the artist and they get to determine what happens with it, but it's mm. also owned by the appreciator of the art. And they they have they have their own ownership over it. Mm. Like Jimmy World's "Lead My Skeptic" site, that doesn't mean anything related to faith or God or to Jim Adkins from Jimmy World. That right, is right. Not, That's not what he's singing about. Right. But to me, when I, when I heard that, that meant something spiritual to
1: me. Right. Right. And both are valid. Exactly. <laughs> which is what's so cool about this podcast. This is the beauty, <laughs> the beauty of this, of this podcast, podcast, man. Yes.
0: Okay, Ben. This is
2: just like the rest of my notes on this song that I were like, <laughs> the mix of things in the left channel and delayed into the right is interesting.
1: Hey, Josh, I noticed that too, buddy. And honestly, yeah.
2: when it came on, I was paying a lot of attention to it and it was a little disorienting to me. But then as I listened, I didn't listen. It's like I wasn't paying as much attention to it. Then I was like, okay, cool. But too mm-hmm. much. I was like, whoa, just kidding. Yeah. Left or right here. <laughs> right. Well,
3: there's some crazy panning <laughs> choices where vocals, vocals go like quick to the left, mm-hmm. and then like come back to the center. Center. Yeah. Or there's there's one song, uh the longest winter. Drums are 100
1: percent in the right ear. Completely right. panned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild. It's so weird. <laughs> he was listening to a lot of early Beatles or something. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I thought the, the same Beach thing. Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um
0: sweet okay well let's move on to track number three big trucks
3: dude what a riff it's so good what it's so good What? what What a riff! This was the one that I that made me want to pick up the guitar and and learn it the first time I heard it. Right. Uh, nice. He's he's doing these really weird chord shapes where if you're playing in drop D, you play the if you're a musician you play the root with you know your first finger, but then you're playing the third of the chords all mm. the way up there on like the D string, right? And he's doing these lead parts on the guitar where. The chord is just this bar right here, but then with this mm. pinky or whatever, he's playing a lead melody the at riff. the same time. Yeah, yeah. crazy. It, it blew my mind when I and first and that's like heard.
1: a signature Pedro thing, like a signature yes. David Bazan thing. Like you kind of yes. know when you hear that, you're like, oh, that's that's. I think that's Pedro.
3: Yeah, and there's cool. uh, there's a bunch of bands that are in sort of DIY emo circles that I interact with and love, who they're just straight mine in that vein. Like they're they're ripping. They're ripping, it. ripping yeah. It.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, I get it. it still works. It yeah. goes. Yeah, totally. I like that we finally get a lot of energy. That right. was yeah. Yes. I, I needed yes. for me. You know. Thank God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I I love and hate it.
0: I'm like, why did you not give me this before at the beginning? Yeah. yeah. But okay. But it's. Like, yes, daddy, thank you for giving it to me now. We're here now. Yeah.
3: He almost goes over, he swings too hard, where this is the almost poppiest chorus you've ever heard in kind of a cheesy way. Uh, Right. And so it's like, it goes from the confidence of there's nothing going on and you're going to. Like it, but right. uh, <laughs> and then like a bunch of stuff is going on. Big chords. He doesn't play mm-hmm. real big chords yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's it's baffling. Yeah, it
2: yeah. really is. It's definitely the most accessible song on the record, yeah. for sure. So normally we pick a favorite song on the record. I'm doing something a little bit different here because I was mostly new mm-hmm. coming to this record, but I knew a few songs. I'm having. An old favorite and a new favorite.
0: Okay. Oh, I love
2: that. Kylan will know this because we did our top 10 Pedro list, but this was on my list. This was the only one, I think, pre-Control that was on my list. Yeah. So this is my old oh. favorite Pedro song on this record.
0: This was on my nice. list too, but not this version. Oh. The, oh acoustic version. Version. the acoustic yeah. version from The yeah. Only Reason I Feel Secure. Yes. And it's to me, it's the same thing as 405 by Death Cab. Yes. Oh. Right. There's the full band and the acoustic version. Yeah, I always go and back and I, forth. Which
2: one I like better? I don't know. I, I prefer, prefer the
0: acoustic on both. Yes. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: That's
0: cool. The, uh,
3: the acoustic one is wild because it sounds live, right? Yeah. It sounds exactly. like this is, but this is an official release. And the, yeah, fuck yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> ben, you get it, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's, it's wild that before streaming and records only came out physically, you could put out the same song on two consecutive records and trust that no, almost no one had heard it. Right. And it wasn't, you weren't like, you weren't making an intentional artistic choice of, I love this song so much that it has to have two versions. Right. The label or your own sense of marketing said, that's the catchiest song from the last record. It did not catch the world on fire. It was not a hit. Right. So why not mm. re-record it again? It's just, again, the two, the 90s, 2000s were a different time in how the music industry, like, Worked. the
1: thought process,
3: right? Yeah.
2: For sure.
1: That's fascinating. Yeah. Man, this song, though. Yeah,
2: this one is great. It's just, like, such genius but simple, like, storytelling. And, like, it's a song that I'll, like, something will happen – And like if I start getting upset or something like that, and like lyrics from this song will like come into my head is like, hey, like you're so young, you always jump the gun, kind of stuff. Like, like hey, keep like I just love like a lot of Pedro songs are like real bummer songs, but this Mm -hmm. is like such a great positive one. And yeah, it's uh, wholesome. Yeah, it's so wholesome. It has a great message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is. It's almost. Sorry.
3: Well, no, I was just gonna say it's almost like an Aesop's fable. It's like completely. Yeah,
1: yeah. What about driving big trucks? It has yeah. a <laughs> yeah, it has a cultural layer and then like a a deeper mythical layer, kind of like right. we were saying earlier. There's mm-hmm. like that kind of transrational truth happening, but it's but it's through the lens of like yeah, big moose trucks and eighty seven Trans Ams. But <laughs> yeah.
0: there, you know he he also threads the needle of the sort of autobiographical concept album, right. Right on this because it it comes into play later, but specifically you know talking to his dad and saying yeah father no, son oh, yeah like a father son father son dad I don't understand it's like okay album. then you're set up for something later in the record mm-hmm. that's right mm-hmm. and it's so good it's so confident so what's wild about how Dave
3: Bazan talks about this record is. He viewed himself as emotionally immature or maybe like spiritually immature. There's like mm-hmm. a self-loathing to it. There's like right. a, a resentment that happens towards others. He's not as kind as he maybe wants to be now. But songwriting wise, he's there's nothing immature about what's happening. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. arrangement wise, it's mm-hmm. it's it's amazing that this dude came fully formed. Like I right. want to hear his shitty high school <laughs> bands. <laughs> right, you know? right. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So I have this is the early questions. stuff that we get. What have we not right. heard? How
0: old was he when this record was made?
3: Josh, you want to do that math? You got
0: so the one I don't know so when he knows. was born, though. Yeah, I got to look
2: when he was born. Come on,
3: Josh. I'm going to guess
1: on. 20. Two.
3: I I think it, guess. It, I intuit
2: early 20s from this. Yeah. Okay, 76, yeah. he was 22.
3: Did you yeah.
1: 22 oh, TJ? Yep.
2: Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's great. Uh, That's I did sweet. see one time. I saw a video of Ben Gibbard covering this song and I can't find it anymore. So if anyone out oh, there man. has the link, really? send it to That's us. Cool. I did yeah. It well, you know- was just solo acoustic and he played He's like, I'm gonna play big trucks. So I was like, what, dude? Uh, ben Gibbard played bass for Page I of the Line on like one
3: tour. Yes, yeah, there's they're, they're how together.
2: like what a flex right? to just be yeah, like, right. oh, it's my bassist, Ben freaking Gibbard. Ben Gibbard. <laughs> well, dude, also Ben
3: Gibbard wasn't Ben Gibbard at that point. Like, right, right. I, th- I think uh, we have the facts and photo album had been out from from Death Cab at that point in history. Right. Oh, I thought it was and later.
1: Okay, that's so at least were my both memory kind of, it. of like. Up and coming and and making moves at the same time. Totally. Yeah. That's really neat. All
0: right, guys. Let's move on to track number four Suspect Bled the Scene.
3: So, this is like an old West sort of uh, like vibe. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to come into town on a horse and ride out of town, like escape
0: town on a horse.
1: Which may possibly be why it's my favorite song. Oh. I knew it was oh. your favorite song. Okay, this is in
0: the running for my favorite song. It's, it's not. It's, it's it, up there for me. It, That's great. I love this song. It's very high up
1: there. It's so
3: PJ, good. T.J., tell me, tell tell me why this one.
1: I love the western sort of pastiche of it all, and like again, like to me, this is the perfect synthesis of that kind of like transrational blending of real life and. And like a little bit of metaphor like he's using the the kind of western villain character to I think maybe identify quite a bit with with that that person that everybody's kind of judging they don't really understand they don't know the impact of of their actions and I love the um the symmetry of the song like yeah leaving the way you came and and the imagery of like riding in on the horse and riding out and not feeling like you belong in a place there's so many like layers to you know and even the chorus just that refrain that ongoing refrain of it won't go away like this pervasive feeling of like well you don't really fit here you've done something wrong whether or not you actually did or if you're just a scapegoat whether you maybe had good reasons for doing something that these people that are judging you couldn't ever understand um the lack of inclusion like he's just kind of like He's nailing all these things and and doing it mm. with such economy and efficiency. Like there are not a lot of lyrics in this song, but you I know, still but feel they're so good. So yes, many
2: <laughs> and you already get like so much of like the townspeople. Like he just drops a couple lines yes. in there that makes you question. Like, are the townspeople actually like good? Like, for, like it's so right. economic. Uh, yep,
0: yep. This is a rare Kylan Savage Church Dreams Now lyrical note. <laughs> TJ, I feel like you will appreciate the fact that this is lyrically my favorite song on the record. Mm. Yeah,
1: no, I do. I love
0: that. I think it's so good. The where damning rumors drip from holy tongues. Holy tongues is Ugh. maybe like all I want oh. in a lyric. Yeah, like it's so that perfect synthesis
1: of. But it says so
0: much. Yeah,
1: it Dude, really does. The,
3: the bridge. The bridge here. Mm-hmm. Where just mm-hmm. the, it's the, it's the acoustic first and then ride as fast as you can. They're shooting to kill. Mm-hmm. There's such, there's, sh- there's such in this song sympathy for the bad guy. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. the one who's perceived to be That's the bad the There's villain. empathy yep. and kindness yep. there.
1: Yeah. 100%. Like, I hope you make it, man. Like, ride back. <laughs> yeah. Get out <laughs> of Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Please, please yeah. survive. <laughs> yeah. Cause like I said, I think, yeah, and it's, I think he's relating hard to this character. Yeah. Like, that's how I felt. I was identifying with that character from the beginning.
2: Not the people yeah. in the ivory towers. No, you didn't for some identify reason, with them.
1: That's weird. I just didn't. I don't know. Can't no. explain it. I know that Kylan <laughs> loved
2: this song because it's basically a, an entire movie in a, like a three-minute song,
1: which is <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. it's so cinematic. Yeah. I love it, and like it really the is. way that he's yeah, kind of muddying the water on purpose, like we've kind of referred to time and time again. Um, it really makes me lean in and think more about every line even even though it's so simple or short mm-hmm. uh, there's also so much so much happening under the surface that you that he lets your imagination do the work with you know to create the meaning that you need to find in it kind of like you were saying earlier Ben about like in a way the artist has ownership of the song but in another way the listener has you know full kind of interpretive license mm-hmm. with the song and where it takes you I there's. It.
3: I want to talk about the musicality of the song to the, uh, the the melody is like straight Beach Boys, Beatles. Yeah, like, I think that's another there's... reason I love it is
1: because yeah. it yeah. has these like kind of classic early pop rock sensibilities. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I,
0: I wrote that too. The like it's almost like '50s pop inspired, like crooner stuff. Yes. Right. Like those walk ups. Feel very uh like specifically the chord turn on. I know it feels like mm-hmm. it's that half mm-hmm. step that you mm-hmm. don't expect, but you also fully expect.
1: You're like this yeah. is right uh, when it hits. You want so it. Good. Yeah, yeah, yes.
3: The instrumentation is wild too. there the I was struck by the lead guitar parts. Oh, I love it. like the. This is one of the, I think, one of the first songs that had both the acoustic and like he is doubling a guitar part. He's playing an electric Mm. part and an acoustic part, but Mm. just again so tasteful, so uh, an economy of
2: a part. He's playing the exact right notes at the exact right Uh, time. So simple, but it just draws me in immediately. Yeah, it works. And does does he hit? Is there like a minor four in that like first like the turnaround, and then like he's like outlining it a little bit with that? Or there's something.
1: Either a minor chord or a
2: minor four, but I was like, I just it just oozes Mm. with like that emotion.
1: I was like, oh, I love that. So satisfying. Yeah. Which just pairs perfectly with the story that he's telling. You know, it really does. And the drums are also like so in the pocket, but kind of leaning back just a bit, kind of like we've mentioned in the past.
3: The the vocals are right here and super dry. Like they're just they're they're like right dead in the center. and you can hear there's no almost no reverb on it And there's just like you can hear every little mouth you know like you know like or whatever that he's doing it's again yeah. wild you would not be taught to do that in recording and mixing and engineering school right
1: right no and yet I and love yet it it it's works <laughs> you gotta <laughs> yeah. know the rules to break the rules
0: that's it man <laughs> mm. that's it okay guys there's so much more of this album let's move on to track number five Bad Diary Days.
3: So this is the absolute
0: saddest, I think, song Mm -hmm. on the record. This is also the most streamed song on Spotify. Oh my God. From this record.
1: That makes so much sense, actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so it's got to be on some
1: like breakup playlists, you know? Yeah.
3: (laughs) So, Dave was not married to his wife at this point. He sadly, I don't know if it's, I I don't know how to comment on other people's divorces or anything. Sure. But he, he did separate from his wife recently, uh, fairly recently. But Mm -hmm. it was his, you know, that had been his wife for years from his early days. Right. And, but he weirdly, not only here, but he he sings about divorce and infidelity, and quite a bit. <laughs> ideating ideating about divorce just all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, sometimes it's in the category of like this is a religious metaphor, like God is the the husband in mm-hmm. you sure. know my, of minor prophets and their prostitute wives. But yep. like
1: yep.
3: this one is just filled with resentment and sadness Mm
1: -hmm.
4: that
3: that is it's a character because he's not married at the time right right Right. but it this is i think where dave i think would say like i was a little bit angry at women in general right at at this
0: point in you know uh, you think about other emo songs of this quote-unquote era this is like to me in my mind this is the grown up version of jude law in a semester abroad by brand new right like right. it's it's right. it's the same kind <laughs> of sentiment of like yeah you know i hope you crash and die but yeah. i'm also kind of a piece of shit i don't know what it is about the lyrical content of this song like it feels really mean Mm-hmm. But it
1: also feels a little more grown up. It's hanging out in the complexity of of what a relationship is, yeah. right? And it, a little more. You think
3: that maybe if she is indeed stepping out, you you think from the narrator's perspective, his anger is deserved and righteous in some level, right? But right. We also don't know all the ways that this dude, this narrator, is an immature and manipulative piece of
0: shit. Right. You know? Completely. Like, it's a yeah. very like an Paul Giamatti narrator. song. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like like this feels like right. Like like it feels like, okay, I'm this immature man child, so but there's there's a certain level
1: of faux maturity to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's also crazy how quickly it turns because it starts the first line, barely ever fight. She knows that I love her. And then literally the rest of the song is it's about like, like, Fuck you. the negative stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Cra- the one line that's like to establish, like, oh, we have a good relationship. Right. And then everything else is like, <laughs> well, it's trash. The,
3: she just has a, she just has a funny way of loving, you know? Right. Like, yeah. That's the, just if he actually internal, if that's how he actually feels. That's the saddest shit I've ever heard. Right. You know, and, Completely. Right. Yeah. Think about if the gender roles were reversed in the song and this was the, this was a, a woman saying this about a husband.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You would almost just
0: You'd be like, fuck the guy. complex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 Complexity it would break your heart.
3: Is simplified, but because it's a dude and because I know the grossness of how I make myself the victim and this, this, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Of this era, often gets called rightly male manipulator music, right? Yeah, yeah, because oh, it's, Yeah, yeah. and it's—I think it's the most toxic thing about the the genre and the scene. Um, there's so much whether and whether it comes from a female perspective or a male perspective, it often you know emo is very dude, yeah, uh, right. But it's so it what a fucked up thing to to create a worldview where you are mm-hmm. always the misunderstood victim. Oh yeah, to never take ownership over how you've harmed or hurt. Now, there's so mm-hmm. many people who have harmed me, but I can't, I can't stay there, and I can't write. Yeah, you're not, not gonna
1: there. spend yeah. energy. Yeah, kind of like just wallowing in it, right? Like, yes, we talk about navel Gazy songwriting a lot on this podcast right. and how that can really be a turnoff if it's too sort of self-involved and, and almost like narcissistic, even if you're hating on yourself, that yes. that skews toward the opposite side of narcissism, right? So if you're like, well, my whole world's horrible, but even the self-loathing that you've, you've kind of hinted at that you're, you're picking up on in this album, what I'm, what I'm hearing is like when David's talking now about his early work, he's sensing that he has grown and that he was experiencing a little bit of that kind of, navel self-loathing stuff. And look, we all have been through that. Right. Like, We've all been 22. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but, and so, you know, to to neither victimize anyone nor villainize anyone, but to say, like, yeah, there's room for growth here. But, dude, this song is a bummer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but oh this God. is, like, so this is a quintessential emo song. For better yes. or for worse. Oh, Yes. Right. Yes. Like, it's like it, an emo it, song totally. for adults, though. Like, yes. That's what I'm talking about. Sure. The Paul Giamatti yeah. of emo songs. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it, it feels more grown up without actually like doing the work of. Yes. Uh, but as a 15, 16, 20 year old, there is something relatable about it. Yes. That feels Incredibly specific and autobiographical, and yeah, I I a hundred percent do not think Dave Bazan would write a song like this today, right? Within the context of that, like, I appreciate it for what it is trying to communicate. Yeah, yeah.
1: and even just sense? as a time capsule, kind of like y'all talked about before, like. It, it, you have to have the early work to show the growth of the modern right. work. Right. Yeah. And I, and I,
0: I get it. It's, it's hard to talk about this as like four dudes. And I don't mean, no, <laughs> right. know. Maybe it's like a, right. maybe it's like a yeah. Tootsie
2: situation. Yes. Like he put, he swapped the gender roles so that you like view it from that perspective, like, man, that sucks for that guy. And then you're like, oh, wait, this is how a lot of women feel. So I don't right. know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: Sure. Uh, <laughs> Can we talk about the music? Uh, real quick yes, this is please. the first yeah yeah so the the bass and guitar are doing counter melodies with each other They're on the dun mm-hmm. dun 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 dun, dun. Uh, yep. dun dun and it's also in a i've i didn't actually count it but it feels whether it isn't an odd time signature or not it feels like it's like in nine or ten instead of eight or mm-hmm. whatever because there's that added on beat of caca caca you know Mm-hmm. That my brain at you know, fifteen or whatever latched onto that as what's going on here. Right. Like this um, has an
1: arrhythmic component. What's what's happening? Yeah. That's
3: interesting. But then this is also the first time that the guitar got distorted.
1: Mm-hmm. Um and that outro bright. dude. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it it it's the first time that things have gone hard. Yep and the
1: drum sounds are even noticeably like heavier like they're fat yes. and the, the crack of the snare is like yes. huge you know also i love that cereal line the breakfast cereal talked more than we did all day long yeah that's incredible it's so it's visceral sad and, and it is amazing the snap
3: crackle pop of, <laughs> yeah, of rice krispies or
1: whatever yeah and the silence yeah the deafening silence that happens Immediately after the snap, crackle, pop falls away. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) gets right in the gut. Guys,
2: what movie do you think they saw for the two tickets that are? (laughs) We're creating this lore here. What movie are they seeing? That are the two. This is 1997
3: or 1998. Right. Oh baby,
0: was it? It was Armageddon. Uh, is that that two <laughs> thousand? Wait, that, that that might have been ninety nine. Oh no, that was ninety eight. But it was so it probably was not when he actually
2: wrote it. Yeah.
1: Uh oh. I love the apocalyptic nature of that guest, though. Ben. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> She's stepping
2: out. She's like, I want to
0: go see <laughs> Armageddon. Well, I'm guessing. Okay, Armageddon is the movie he wanted to see, but maybe she wanted to see like Shakala?
1: Like there you go, <laughs> yeah. So she Dude, went with I'm, somebody else.
3: I'm Ryan. seeing. I just googled big movies in 1997, and I'm seeing uh, Kevin Costner's The Postman, uh, uh, and I'm also seeing The Fifth Element. So that's
0: in my uh, head canon middle right middle now. Okay. okay, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> in my mind, choice? okay. <laughs> This is also so weird. And this is another attempted pivot for me to turn this into a yep, movie I threw block. you a
2: softball with this question,
1: Kylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You set him up, Josh. We I feel move. like
0: it's gotta be something with Laura Dern. I don't know why. Oh, completely. I cannot explain
3: like a twist
0: Wait, is Laura Dern in was she in Twister? No, it was Helen Hunt. I'm sorry. It was Helen Hunt, but she was in Citizen yeah. Ruth in nineteen ninety six and for some reason in my brain Citizen Ruth Makes a lot of sense. So that seems like a movie yeah. that, like, a dude in 1997 would be like, "Well, fuck, no, I don't want to see this." No, but way. in yeah. retrospect, <laughs> is like a great fucking movie. I don't but know.
2: The, uh,
3: but the guy, the guy that's it'd be a fair guy that wants to appear as more sensitive than her deadbeat husband. Yeah, he's like, yeah. yes, of course, I'll see it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'll take you to this movie. Yeah,
1: movie.
0: exactly. <laughs> oh,
1: also entirely the unrelated hard pivot here. But uh I told Kaylin that when I first was listening to this song, I thought it for a second I like I saw the title out of the corner of my eye and I thought it was called Bad Dairy Days. <laughs> also and, cereal. Uh,
2: yeah. hmm yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, there's a tie-in there. Uh and then later I asked her for her hot take on the song and she said, well, dairy can be a real problem um and just like a bad relationship with dairy leads to constipation a relationship with this girl leads to heartbreak (laughs) succinct
0: that's valid i'll take it yeah i think she nailed it i think i think so (laughs) all right guys let's move on to track number six we're only halfway through this album the longest winter this has been the longest episode here we go (laughs)
3: Dude, this is the one with the drums panned all the way to the right. Yep. And the acoustic is panned all the way to the left. It is like a like a Beatles song from the early 60s. Bass, right. right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Is that a chair squeak in the very beginning of this song? Yes. Okay. Yep. I'm going to play again. it again. Again, you hear the chair. I like that's, that that's, that's, that's like kind of a through line. It, it does make it yes. feel more immediate,
1: more lost. Yes. Yeah. And pieces of a whole, you know, like it's connected. Yes. We're
3: used to the the fingers on an acoustic guitar sliding back and forth, right? But sure. this is like the, the chair's a character in the in, in the, the, album. The, the another yeah. instrument. Oh,
1: dude, I love yeah. that. Also, uh this song kind of riffing off your earlier point, Ben, about the time signatures, this one's in six eight, but it's got the accents on three and six rather yes. than like one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four. It's one, right. two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Really odd. And then there's like a bar of three as like a turnaround at a certain right. point. Yeah. Which really, yeah, it was kinda of getting my drummer brain going, What what's what's this? It drew me in.
3: So cool. much space between every strum, right? Like there's this is the loneliest. I mean, obviously it's it's a song about isolation and and you know, in your in your studio apartment with
1: a cat for a wife. Like there's there's the Dude,
0: that line. Then that line uh, yeah. is so dude, yeah. good. Yeah,
1: the serial line got me in the last one, and the cat for a wife line yeah. in this one. Just like uh.
3: this, this is blurring the again. The is this a character or is this the author? Right, and how much of that matters necessarily in this in this context? But dude, mm-hmm. this is a a real lonely song, and there's like a sense of uh, talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that Bazan right. does a lot, and he'll do it in the bridge. I'm, I'm blanking on the actual lyric, but the bridge, I think right now, is kind of a, a, a sad pep talk or, like, a sad indictment mm. of right.
1: of the character, right? Right. Yeah, even the, the line about it being your way or the highway, like, asking yourself that question. Yes. Oof. And right. dude,
3: especially knowing knowing Ibizan's story a little bit, so the reason why he broke broke up Pedro the Lion as a band is because his, his main collaborator T W Walsh and he could no longer see eye to eye about shit, right. and he he was like, well, at that point, uh, T W had become as much of a member of the band as he was in sort right. of in sort of his own mind, and so was like, well, if we can't see eye to eye, then I'm just going to do a solo thing. And the first thing he did before Curse Your Branches was this EP called Fewer Moving Parts. And Mm -hmm. it was his own statement on uh, a leaner, meaner, just me doing it, fewer moving parts. There's a sort of like both a F you, I can do this by myself sort of a feeling. Right. But also Mm -hmm. a sadness of why the fuck can't I actually cooperate with anybody else things mm. out
1: right yeah. yeah And why
3: can't i collaborate why can't i why can't we be together in this mm. there's just this through line of and it's weird to have a so i've never i've met david Bazan in like a house show setting but we're not mm. friends right but it's weird to have a relationship off through someone's art where you're just right. like bud i just want you to find belonging yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> i just yes. want
3: you to feel like you belong yes. somewhere And that you've got friends and co-conspirators and collaborators and that people are on your side. I want you to feel that.
0: Well, that's, you know, what's so fascinating to me is, you know, there's, there's one read of this song coming directly after Bad Diary Days where it is that sort of like she left me sort of perspective, which potentially like was the intention when this came out but having a lot more context which again is like this you know the whole thing of this show is that hits so differently i don't know i i found myself with this song in particular like (laughs) really kind of juggling the original intention with how that changes over the years you know, like mm-hmm. honestly, like at this point for me, like feels a little more sincere because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's it's just being sung to this woman that left. Like Ben was saying, you know, it's like to potentially like another collaborator
1: of. the,
0: Yeah, it's this like whole self loathing. Like I'm kind of a piece of shit.
1: It hits pretty hard, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also love, Ben, that you brought that up that it's like him speaking to himself because I was kind of interpreting it as like more of that father son dynamic, like mm-hmm. the older man at speaking to a younger man, like mm-hmm. you don't love well, young man, while you still can. Once your leave's turn, you won't love again. But I kind of love that it's him talking to himself. Dude, okay. I think so it don't... works on both levels, you know, which is great.
3: Okay, so Whatever.
0: Can we play the next song and talk about it? Sure. All right. Let's let's move on okay. to the next song. Let's go. Uh track number seven. When they really get to know you, they will run. Uh
3: <laughs> so this one this one's another one that uh that Bazan talks about as carrying some internalized misogyny. And baggage. Yeah. Yeah, and just like, I actually, when I skipped ahead, I thought it was going to be the father-son song, whatever the... was going to
0: Oh, man, okay, okay, okay. Make your point anyway, man. We can, we, we can edit this. It's not live. <laughs>
3: Still, when I saw Bazan live and he played it, so uh, it's in the it's in the "Dad, I broke a promise to you." Mm. Uh, th- that one, which is oh, geez, That's the bells, the bells, the bells. yes, the bells. yes. yes. Yeah. and it's at the end. It says, "I understand, son." Right. Dave sang, "I understand self,"
1: right? Mm. Yep. So,
3: so he like he reframed that father-son dynamic. In the mm-hmm. narrative, to essentially be self-parenting, right? You can have a dialogue with yourself, with yourself,
1: completely, and
3: and be the dad to yourself in some ways. Some, and that could be profoundly sad because you know it's like a, a lot of us have complicated relationships with our fathers, and we wish maybe that we had gotten more either direct right. care or gentleness or like whatever. But like I don't know, that blew my mind when he did it yeah. live, I, and to I reparent- hated it
1: through yes. songwriting and performance yes. and I hated it at first because I was like
3: that no it's about a father's son and it's it's kind of God and then uh
1: right like, right you, you know, like this... the story song part of it yeah. you didn't want it to be this like kind of uh cathartic self-healing moment yeah <laughs> right in but, front of everybody
3: <laughs> but when I when I sat with it and I like I went home with it and I was like kind of stupid of like oh man like did I did was that okay for him to do you know but then mm. I was just like, "What a, what a healing moment!" Right. Yeah. With that switch to, I no longer need to ask forgiveness from my dad, whether that's like an earthly father or a heavenly father or like whatever else. Now, we we got to live with we got to live with each other. So asking forgiveness when we've actually harmed each other is still good. But that's mm-hmm. not what the song was about. The song was I disappointed my own sort of sense of right and wrong. Like I yep. knew that I did wrong, and, and then deciding.
1: That you still love yourself in spite of that. That's right. In in the midst of that. Yeah. I've got the context. What I love about that too is that you were able to see it as not only him having that moment for himself, but it seemed like you were able to receive that as him modeling that. Not just for himself, right? It wasn't just a Mm. selfish moment. It was him saying like, hey, I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to have a little bit of vulnerability and like walk the tightrope a little bit and show you all. That you can do this, you can offer this to yourself, and it, yes. I'm I'm gonna be the one that kind of like goes out on the limb and tries it, and to show you all that you can do it.
3: Yeah, and the banter that he had when between songs, where he would give context to like, you know, the this the one that we, this, I, I fucked up when they really get to know you, they will run. Uh, <laughs> before he played it, he was like, "This, I think that if I wrote this now, I would not write it this way." Because there's a just like a, a, an adolescent male uncomfortableness with what the natural female body does. Like, right. Women naturally have hair on their legs, man, and hair in the armpits. <laughs> right. But there's like a, a line, whether you're supposed to sympathize with the narrator or not, whether you're supposed to be like, oh, there's a little bit of like a, a layer of he's saying I don't like girls the way they are. But then you're like, is that okay? Like, we, we right. don't like, is that good or bad? And it blurs it, and it yeah. was. I think he was trying to be more pro woman at the time when he wrote it, but then right. realized weirdly after the fact that he was like still not had he had not yeah. arrived. He was
1: he was still kind of othering their experience and not really owning it or mm. understanding it. That's right. Okay, yeah, because I I view that song as like an indictment on dudes that think that stuff. So like for yeah. me, it seems and very pro. Like, hey, I think that you was guys are dumb. What are you the doing? Intention- Okay, and, and the attempt. And also there I feel like the moment where where it's like it's at the beginning, I think, um, or the, it's the bridge. I don't like girls the way they are yes. you know, and then he says we can pretend that it's natural. like what like the, I feel like the, the issue is why should we have to pretend that at all, right? Yeah, like right. why that's <laughs> not it's not real life, man. <laughs> yeah, so there's so. The, it feels it I, I think it feels to me like more adolescent.
3: And that's I think he's trying to prop up an adolescent narrator so that you go like that's immature or whatever. But there's still there's still the baked in adolescence of it because there's this super ambiguous line in the middle where there's like a little break where he says, I'm starting to think that I'm kind of shy or at least I'd like Mm -hmm. to be. I'd like to be. Mm -hmm. be. And and Uh that's so like it's when you see them live and they play this song. This is the line that everybody screams. Hmm. Uh, like I'm starting to think that, oh, God, or at least I'd like to be, you like know, like, to be. yeah. And there's, I think, an identification. It's the same thing when you go back and you know, like, if you when we all were into brand new, right. you hate that guy, you think he's a
0: son of a bitch, but you also see yourself in him, right? Mm. Or, or, and, it's also kind of similar to like everyone at five iron shows bringing blue combs. It's like you're so close to, like, getting it. Right, yeah. But it may be, like, a little more personal to what, like, Mm -hmm. the songwriter was intending.
1: Right. Yeah, and even he's, like, maybe now owning, like, uh, I don't know if I was really being honest in that moment, if that was really, like, effective or or true at the time. Like, it's a little bit of owning that.
3: Yeah, he realized that he was closer to the narrator than he would have liked to have been, or whatever. Dang, yeah.
1: yeah, right. He can't use use the narrator as like a straw man or like a fall guy. He's like, I, right. I am that guy. I was that yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: A little too much autobiography going into that instead of right. like the yeah narrative.
3: Can we uh, can we play the next song? And uh, I want to talk about because Minor Prophets is related to this.
2: I think hell yeah I'm totally. gonna
3: do the Leonore from from five hour like, <laughs> run yeah, our show
2: run <laughs> our no, show dude I'm, just, I'm here for I'm trying to like get it. done I do want to mention in this song the lead line right at the end at 220 there's one that comes in that it's like not fully flubbed it's like slightly flubbed but it's like he just mm. like kept it he's like I don't, I don't need to retract it's that like, it's fine yeah so i like wow good enough man it's like the first one that comes in
4: <laughs> yeah, little yeah. little yeah. I guess it's more flubbed than not, I would say. <laughs> right. I would Just have retracted,
2: in, but he was out. like, yeah. it's fine. Just we'll leave five. it. Okay. All right, here we go. Track Just...
0: number eight of Minor Prophets and Their Prostitute Wives.
3: Uh, So this one, there's the metaphor that's going on. So it's Hosea, Hosea and Gomer and, and Gomer. But Hosea is also, the whole point of when God in the book of Hosea said, go find a prostitute wife, was this is what Israel is to me. So the intention from the beginning was that God is identifying with the experience of Hosea as the husband who is cheated upon, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And Baza- So there's layers. So then Bazan is... Embodying the experience of Hosea, who is also kind of embodying the experience of God and saying, okay, writing these lyrics, and there's lines like essentially male manipulator energy.
1: There's lines that are,
3: yeah, yeah, there's lines that are like that they're all, the whole town is like trying to kill you and they'll listen to me if I, but the implicit Mm -hmm. is the only way that I'll. Putting a good word for you with the lynch mob is if you come back to me and be you my behave. wife again. Yeah, it, you right. behave. You you be my wife again, and you implied have sex with me again. Right. So right. this is a wild thing to be in the Lifeway Christian bookstore because <laughs> right. if it is. if this is written from the perspective of God, then God seems to come off as a male manipulator. Yeah. In this song, right? It's, it's again, wild. it's the
1: narcissistic like pseudo victim, like oh yes. well. I, I did the hard thing and I married you and that makes my life so difficult. So come back to me, play by the rules, and, and I want to know everything the, will be okay,
3: <laughs> right? I want to know the intention of a young David Bazan Of why did he write that? Was it genuinely, from a perspective of he wanted to, to preach a a a, a message of there's there's safety in these arms of mine. These rules that I've given you are actually for your good. For is sure. he at that point try, like he's trying to advocate is he being for the genuine. Yeah, or
1: or is he being like a little tongue in cheek and and critical of of that model yeah. and that paradigm? Yeah, because yeah. th- if you take the chorus out of context of the rest of the song, I totally accept that and receive that, and I think that's beautiful. Come home, darling, come home quickly, all's forgiven. Yes. Come home quickly. Like, what's not to love about that idea? Right, like just kind right. of pure, simple, radical acceptance, radical forgiveness unending love of course of course who doesn't want that right we all want that but then when you add these sort of caveats or like even just the way we're identifying the characters like I treated you as if you were a princess and you treated me like a cop like Like it's so it feels so preschool or like yeah something it's like it's very childish and yeah it wasn't until Gomer characters dangling from the end of a rope like what yes. why sorry Josh yeah. what, what were you gonna no, say no I
2: was gonna say it wasn't until cause like, like I know the story obviously from the bible but it's like it's like okay yeah and the metaphor of like this it represents God and Israel whatever so you're like yeah this is like go, Jose is the good guy here but it isn't until like the last line of like darling they will listen to me and it's also like in Dave and like how he delivers it that I was like oh yes. there's a little bit nefarious kind in, of in, <laughs> like implications here that I'm, yeah, like, right? oh it's okay creepy. They will listen to me. Yeah, but I think that's I'm, I mean, I'm sure that's like Dave's intention. Like, it's got to right. be like he wouldn't have sang it that way if it wasn't right. So, well, it's like, yeah. but
3: then he's he's putting into question like uh the doctrine of hell and judgment as it's been taught in his form of American Christianity, right? So he's mm-hmm. he's he's again, this is really like, how is this in the Lifeway Christian bookstore? Right. <laughs> how did right. i they exhibit... didn't have
1: a critical listener at no. choosing what to how to curate thank their God. music even... <laughs> i'm surprised it didn't thank even because i like, thank david Bazan.
2: well like and even yeah. the title like their prostitute wives because i know like the right. showdown had an album that the first song was called fanatics and Horses. that they had to repress that record without the first song because Lifeway and Family Christian bookstores wouldn't carry it because the song title said fanatics and whores in it. That's wow. Like, odd the title was. So I was like, the fact that do, do it you, was able to do, keep do you remember, that.
3: Do you remember Derek Webb? I was, you know, I am a whore, I do confess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how, like, just the, the case. The dust that, up.
1: Yeah, the, <laughs> that, the case happens.
3: that the dude made of, like, I'm just saying the word that you, we could say, I am a prostitute, I do confess. And I put you on, like, a wedding right. dress. What's the difference between that and saying and saying horror? It's just it's it's a wild sort of like give and take within um because you could call David Bazan a prophetic voice in the in the in the church. And even from now, as sort of outside the gates of he's no longer identifying with Christianity, right, but still trying to reform the thing that he came from From in a weird way, from the outside in, right? Right. If you actually read the Old Testament, Jeremiah sits on his side for a year or six months and looks at a model of the nation of Israel, or walks the prophet walks naked through the town square. Like there's some real in the prophetic tradition, there's some real subversive stuff. Even the right. act of like, I'm gonna go, it's performance art. I'm gonna go get married to someone to to preach a metaphor. Right. It's it's just it's, right. There's layers upon layers, and it makes me so uncomfortable. But it feels like that's kind of the point of the thing, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And that well, he was doing I, this in 1998, right? You yes. know, well, like, and what?
0: And I love too that this feels very much in the like Elliot Smith milieu. Yeah. Like, no, like I musically, wrote, I it sounds like I wrote Elliot this Smith. is Elliot
1: Smith, but like a baritone bass. Both right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. only yeah. difference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he he was definitely like you know for his cultural paradigm, like you could you could say he was kind of like a prophet or like a a figure, an iconic figure that mm-hmm. a lot of people sort of gravitated towards. So I definitely see the overlap there. Do you so, want to go to the bells?
0: Of course, I want to go to the bells, man. Here's track number <laughs> nine, the bells.
4: <laughs>
3: Dude, the heartbreak of Dad, I broke a promise to you. Like that just, I, I, so of the, of, there's certain songs that feel super earnest and, and, and straightforward. And he's the, he's the narrator. Mm-hmm. And then there's songs that are like, there's some cynic, cynicism to it, or there's some layers of like, you're not supposed to sympathize and empathize with, with the narrator of, of Minor Prophets, right. right? Like you're, you're, I don't think that's what you're supposed to do and to have them back to back the hearts which to like there's no there's no like layers of dad i broke a promise to you right that that's mm. just the that, that at least for how i read it like that's that's me that's i think fully dave at the time mm. just wanting that absolution and restoration yeah. i don't know
1: yeah Dude, completely okay
0: for like For all the perceived misogyny and issues with women, like, this is just such a siren song for what I feel like is, like, emo boys just all have daddy issues, and... I, I was actually talking to my dad about this. He was like, "Oh, you know, I've I've been dating all these women that are like around your age." I'm like, "That's weird as hell." He's like, "All these girls your age have daddy issues." I was like, "Dad, everybody has daddy issues," <laughs>
1: and <laughs> yeah, just simplify it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody, Everyone, yourself included.
0: Everybody has daddy mm-hmm. issues, whether it's daddy God or daddy daddy. You know, and yeah, mm-hmm. I love how this song just sort of plays on the the father son relationship, just like so effortlessly. Like, like you have to take a second to think about who is the narrator in this song because it just shifts mm-hmm. back and forth so effortlessly. Yeah, it's a, it's a,
3: it's a, it's a. It's a story. It's a children's book, right? right.
0: Mm-hmm. But
3: in in complimentary. Like that's it's it's a fable, right? Where right. You, when you're when you're reading a a conversation in a book, they they mm-hmm. don't always say asked the son, said right. the father, right? right? It just it the it just dialogue goes, goes back, back and, and forth. forth.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Have you guys yeah. read
3: uh have you guys speaking of dad dad stuff? Have you read The Road by Cormac McCarthy? Of course. Oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> but th- it just this is so the dialogue in a lot of McCarthy's books, but this one especially, there's no quotes around who's talking. So you just mm-hmm. it you internalize right. that this is a, this is mm-hmm. who's speaking at what point. You just sort of pick up by you the, intuit into, it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah,
4: hmm.
1: and and again, that's how that's how it seamlessly works when Dave changes the lyrics, right? I understand self yeah I understand self it's because it's so seamless and there's so much sort of poetic symmetry between the two characters and how they're really like the same person and and, and in so many ways and and going through the same experiences it's just one's already done it the other one is still moving into that part of this that season of life it's another raw gut puncher man but beautiful it's very beautiful Dave. Come on, man, like, <laughs>
0: I'm so mad. Stop punching me in the gut. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially with that
2: great trim guitar too. Ooh, oh, tasteful. Okay, yeah. Josh, trim. this
0: is my big note for you. I do love a good tremolo. My big note on this song is like, I think it might be just a little too much tremolo. <laughs> nah. For me it's to vibe with, it's also the <laughs> nah. the the rhythm, the rhythm
3: of the tremolo is almost in tempo, but not quite. Not right. quite. Right. Yep. I right. that trem doesn't have to, me. to be. I'll be I'll it doesn't
0: have to be. Yeah. yeah no. I, I'm. I I fully expect to be wrong on this, but it's just a little too much. Like the like too much me. mix in there. I think, like yeah, yeah. I was gonna say too like the drummer you
1: me like. I have to the trim either has to be like so off that it's like oh this is a creative choice or it has to be locked in and this one to me was like a little bit <laughs> too close to right but not right and it just drove me bonkers well um, think
3: about it. it's analog it's it's an analog right. trim pedal right. yeah. or like a they actual didn't have amp yeah
1: they didn't, the didn't trim have trim tap setting. tempo yeah. trim back then and I totally yes. get it like I can I can sort of forgive the the, the non-exactness sure. of it but but it still bothered me <laughs>
4: okay well I'm thank a, you thank you
0: thank you tj in the back for, of my mind is like for vibe guying out to this with oh me. for sure it's man. like yeah. yeah i love it i love it it's it's a perfect musical choice it's mm-hmm. just a little too off for me to like <laughs> fully
1: appreciate <laughs> yeah the tone is great though it's, it's really it pretty. is it is and also i wanted to say this to me could be in like if they were to do sort of like a pedro anthology some someday down the road um this could be just a trilogy with big trucks and longest winter the father-son yeah. trilogy mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah. so yeah. like i think big trucks is first um because it's got that kind of like machismo energy like right the the trans am like the learning to drive all that stuff that's like more younger dude stuff you know like ben i I love
0: you pointing out the cormac mccarthy thing
1: yeah that
0: yeah it kind of changes my perspective on a lot of this like that's a really good parallel.
3: Same, same, same. More. What are you? What, <laughs> like, what are you talking about?
0: Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, to kind of talk about, like, to piggyback on what TGA was saying, the sort of like machismo, like very masculine energy, and the conversations between father and son. Like, I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I hadn't, I hadn't fully track that but both of those things together sort of synthesize into a cathartic experience for me that resonates in the same way that a lot of McCarthy's work does you're also
3: in in the road I'm never quite sure if I'm totally thinking that the father is the good father like there's so many like he's he's trying Mm. so hard but That's he's and it, he lives in a traumatic world. But he's also traumatizing his kid in so many ways, right. right? And there, but there's still ultimately a sympathy that you have towards the father trying to protect his son in a harsh and broken world, right? And there's, I think that Bazan's characters are the same way, where you can criticize them and you mm-hmm. should maybe, right? But mm-hmm. you also can empathize with them as like the intention for most of these guys is not actually that bad it right. gets twisted but They're the trying intention...
1: their best though right They're right and their best yeah and that's why i like the the trilogy order in like big trucks because there's like still like an uplifting message there. longest winter in the middle because that's yeah. like the act two and it's a little dark and it's like hey don't be like me like I'm the cautionary tale don't don't like turn into the loner the sad loner that has a cat for her wife and then bells being this kind of open accepti- accepting response to mm. failure or sin or flaws or mistakes you know and ultimately self-acceptance and the father like the the reparenting thing that you're talking about to me is like the whole thing that is like a key in the lock to to change the whole paradigm like Mm -hmm. even if it's not from God or dad or whatever, like offering yourself that kind of acceptance and understanding can be so powerful. So it's like, yeah, I I guess it's the father son trilogy until it, (laughs) until it transcends that (laughs) paradigm and then becomes something else entirely. But well, I was
3: just going to say, that's, what's mythic about. You keep talking about, right. Like the mythic levels. That's what feels mythic about it of like, it works for whether you're relating to yourself or you're relating to your actual earthly dad or your heavenly the father.
1: Right. Awesome. So good, man. He packed all right. it all in there. <laughs> yeah, he did.
0: All right, let's move on to track number 10, Secret of the Easy Yoke.
3: What a riff. What a riff. So good he's so, okay. he's doing the pinky thing of na like that's he's playing one guitar playing the lead and the chord at the same time it's a simple lead right. but he's doing he's doing both and this was one of the first songs that i truly loved playing on guitar like i think when i first learned guitar it was like wonderwall or whatever you know right. that like yeah, yeah. i'm i'm learning or whatever my guitar what classic rock song is my guitar teacher why i teach me? <laughs> But this was the first one that I, like, brought to my guitar teacher to, like, figure out, like, what is going on here? Can you teach me how to play this? Nice. And so, again, it was, like, one of the first Drop D songs that I learned. This is a song that I just play myself whenever I, like, pick up a guitar and put it to Drop D. It's like, I'll, I'll just play this, that B minor riff. And covered it in my college bands. And I've nice. covered it, you know, like, covered it in uh, a, f- a couple different bands since then. The other thought I had in this song is that of the narrator stuff, this feels like 100% Dave. This oh, is, yeah. This is just mm-hmm. him and his earnest self, heartfelt plea. There's no layers of irony or metaphor in it. It's just... Right. I, the way that I read is it's just him.
1: Yeah. I mean, even that's that opening line on the chorus, the question, could someone please tell me the story of Sinner's Ransom from the fall? I still have never seen you. In some days, I don't love you at all. Like that, just feels so like hard on sleeve. Something he's been wrestling with, and and just had to get out. Like it was like pushing up from his soul out in into the world. You know, like he had to like express it and get out and externalize it.
2: Well, and it's interesting for me, like because I came to Pedro later, post like deconversion, like (laughs) but like just going to some of this one he would still like have identified as a Christian and being within that. like, mm-hmm. like you see this of like the, the issues that he has and specifically in this song, he mentions like, it's it's been i like hard to be, like hard to trust like i'm losing steam and you're like oh dang you did lose steam like so that makes a song like even more <laughs> sad i feel like yeah right, right. But, but, having the perspective but yeah but it of, is of, like how the yeah story of, like went. how it, how it unfolds because you know the ending but you don't know it when it comes out and like when you're listening to it ben when you first hear this record but yeah there's still like mm-hmm. that chorus is so good though but it's like I said it's something that a lot of people would be too scared to write, let alone record and release. But I think it's something mm. we can all like relate
1: to. Absolutely.
3: The bridge, the the last verse into the bridge at the end, where he's you know like I'm if all that's left is duty, and I'm falling on my sword, mm. and that that's that's fairly visceral. That's I don't think that's a metaphor. There's there's been times in my life where I'm like, if my life does not hold meaning, mm-hmm. that is profound, and that links me to something other than just my own experience and my own tastes and preferences and and wants and desires, Mm -hmm. then what, what is, what's the point of all this, right? Yeah. And so that is, that's just not poetry that like feels like dudes, like actually like I'm going to fall on my sword, right? Not just, not just spiritually and kill the faith. It's like, what's the point of my life without, without some meaning here and some connection and then the response the response to it is this long instrumental bridge where the vo- vocal recording is almost like he's back from mm-hmm. the mic mm-hmm. and he says he says peace be still but it's like he's almost go- walking into another room which is like such an interesting interesting choice um, but that's the that's either in the who's talking right now that's either the voice of Jesus which is a thing Jesus said peace be still Right. that's either the Lawrence speaking or it's yourself speaking to yourself mm-hmm. to like it's going to be okay but like yeah. you may not have all the things figured it out and all the answers to all the questions yeah, but, but like
1: offering yourself some soothing comfort word comforting words yeah. yeah yeah I love it and that's why I think this should have been the last track on the album <laughs> oh wow okay, okay. I'll take tease over here but I just love the I outro agree. I love the length of I it agree. It, it, been. it feels like such a great punctuation. So you're not, at you're the not
3: end. suggesting that they cut the last two songs. You're just saying let's reorder the track. Let's restructure. Get... Yeah. Yeah. Is that what I you're don't saying? Have,
1: I don't have as much opinion about that, to be honest. Okay.
3: Okay. Because the but, last but song. I just promise think this should is... be the last song. Yeah. I agree with you. I think I'm there. But promise, the last song is my favorite song on the record. Oh, So Ooh. If you we get there if early were, surprise if, we, if you're going to say cut it i was going to fight you
1: <laughs> come up to the portland brother let's make this yeah. right well
0: okay we have two more tracks let's move on to track number 11 the well
3: So this is like woman at the well metaphor. Yeah. Right?
1: There, I didn't realize there was going to be so many Bible stories. Like I didn't know. Dave well, was taking us to Sunday the whole, school. Like on last the record. half record. Yeah.
2: Especially like how it's
1: sequenced. Like, so that is cool. Like how it is sequenced because
2: like you go through all those regular songs and then it's like, then we get into Bible stuff and then it's like stays like biblical Christianity stuff, which is, right. was interesting. I didn't expect there to be this much on here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It took me off. Like caught me off guard. This is too much tremolo. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, all I right. thought the other track
0: right. was like almost too much. This is too much.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, I think, I agree my note on this is this because of the trim it feels very Starflyer. And yes. now mm-hmm. I'm gonna be offended mm-hmm. because yes. if you're saying it's too much, you're saying well, Starflyer's trim is too well, much. Yeah. Okay. I so what's the
3: what's the what's the timing on that first Starflyer record? Did that was that before this? Yeah, ninety four. Yeah, yes, yeah,
2: okay. yeah. Well, and I was gonna mention uh, on the outro of "Secret of the Easy Yoke" that is like it just is like has that big outro and musically. And I heard an interview of Matt Carter from Emory talking to Dave, and they were specifically talking about control of how like Dave has a tendency to like just like for like the last minute or so, just jam and make things really big instead of like winding things down. And he's like, yeah, that's just me ripping off Starflyer because that's what he does. And so (laughs) I wanted to mention that. So yeah, Starflyer (laughs) does predate and Dave has some Uh, influence from Jason on that. So
0: I'm so glad that we're best friends because those were my two notes. Too much tremolo, this reminds me of a Starflyer song. I don't know what Starflyer song, but just vibe-wise. It's kind of like, yeah, the vibe of
2: silver and gold. You can like that's just kind of what it is.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh I also
3: just one funny personal connection is I remember a friend from uh from like early days in high school. This was a uh a, a a woman that like did not have a lot of like Biblical background or like church background, but mm. she was really into like sad, slow course stuff like Pedro or whatever. And we were like kind of dating at the time. <laughs> and she did not get the reference that it was like the woman at the well, it just thought that it was written just from a female perspective of like a potential mm. partner or spouse oh, or whatever. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, and she earnestly, and I think it's a it's a valid read because again, it's outside of the control of the artist. It's right. in the hands of the listener, yep. and they take as much context or as little as they have. But she literally, you know, as we were like, I was kind of being maybe a little bit of a piece of shit or whatever. She was like, uh, I just want to find a guy that would love me like this, <laughs> and and. And I was like the the com- like, oh, computation mm-hmm. in my in right. my head of like oh that's an indictment against me, but also I'm like but that's Jesus, that's Jesus. Let <laughs> me introduce you Jesus. to my
0: best friend Jesus.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: a backdoor witnessing moment. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <Thanks. laughs> oh, I love uh, that.
0: That is like such a like a late '90s early 2000s, like, emo Christian boy thought. Yeah, what an <laughs> yeah. niche experience. Uh, it's like, it's so have. specific, but God damn it, that is this whole show, and thank yeah. you for sharing that.
1: <laughs> but I do really, Ben, yeah, thanks, because I love that this song, that, like, it proves kind of our our sort of theory about songs having infinite versions of themselves and iterations in in people's minds and hearts um the fact that she could have a completely different read on this and not have any idea about this story that for a lot of us is like you know old hat at this point it's like okay yeah the woman at right. the well i get it whatever but the fact that she was able to have like a fresh and novel interpretation that made you think and and challenged you a little bit it's right. kind of cool like that's kind of kind of sick,
3: because <laughs> her her read was just as valid as mine, even Completely. though I had the right. Well,
4: actually, it's about, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It's <laughs>
1: about a Bible story. <laughs> yeah, and hers um, may be more valid. <laughs> yeah, for it, you know, like because it kinda, was so pure.
3: Yeah, listening and, to this song now with maybe a little bit more cynicism, or, or to, especially towards how Bazan would maybe to relate to this song, as I kind of roll my eyes of like. Right. Uh, you know, like this is just a straight Bible song. It's propaganda. You yeah, know, right. like,
1: yeah. It, it definitely, I think, is the l- least sort of lyrically original or like inspired in the way that we have come mm-hmm. to know Bazan's writing today. Right. Yeah. Like there's it, not to It feels to a it. little basic. It's kind of, just, yeah. Which that's fine because the idea works on its own. It's simple. Right. It's a simple idea. Yeah. But,
2: I d- had did not expect a song like this on here. I fully expect songs like Secret of the Easy Yoke and stuff like that. But then this, I was like, that was just a straightforward, like what seems to me <laughs> as like a simple, sincere gospel song. I was like, I did not expect right. this on a Pedro record. Right. right. It's a surprise yeah. for sure. Well,
3: well, because he's, uh, this is fresh after like the whole EP mm-hmm. where it's like, that's his first release or whatever. It's like, Mr. Whole Fix It Man, there's like a real, mm-hmm. genuine, like, can you mm-hmm. fix me internally oh Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. It, this is this is he's he covers on I forget which record it was he covers "Beat Out My Vision" right, right. and that doesn't seem like a cover with cynicism and layers, like mm-hmm. it yeah, feels like a, this is straightforward, right? So, well, he contains multitudes at this point, yes. you know,
1: like <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> they're both keeps you guessing.
3: Transition to this yeah. last song too, because this one's a very
2: gospel-y
0: song. Okay,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so Josh. You have not said your favorite song, right? Yeah, uh, I haven't
2: said my new favorite song yet. I had my old favorite right. big trucks. I still have a new favorite song.
0: Is it Promise? Do it you promise. promise this is your new favorite Don't song? Lie, Josh.
2: I do promise. This oh, is my man. new okay, favorite. So
0: Ben already spoiled it. It's his favorite song. Trip. Josh, it's your new favorite song. Guys, this is also my favorite song on the I... record. Whoa! Oh, that's so Here cute. Here we go, last track. It's Promise. So
3: it's just so it's so gosh darned earnest. <laughs> like it is. there's there's a purity and a childlikeness to it because there's like a like if a kid would be afraid of the sky falling, right? Like a right. kid would maybe not know of, enough about the natural world to be like, dad, is the sky going to disappear? And I don't know, man, it works as like a genuine, like I, I'm i actually, I've kind of either talked myself into belief. You could be cynical and say like, maybe like this is the temporary moment for Dave Bazan or the narrator or or like whatever. Right. but this feels super like he actually it's it's the earnest lord i believe help my unbelief right which is just and it's a goddamn earworm it's so catchy
0: it's so good and okay so good one of my biggest things about this record is i love the like relatively lo-fi immediate production of it mm-hmm. and i I wrote on this song this song would a thousand percent benefit from a sort of Chris Lord Alge compress the shit out of everything pop production. all the guitars. <laughs> yeah. This song yeah, nice needs tight. to be a thousand times bigger. And longer. Yeah, it's too it's, short. Yeah. It's the shortest song
2: on the record, and needs to be longer. Uh, mm-hmm. He, but he has the instincts of the of the pop
3: instincts. Because oh, yeah, he, yeah, there. He, yes, the second the second chorus, he goes he he doubles the vocal and jumps the octave, yes. mm-hmm. which is which is so pop punk or like rock music, you know. To do that, yeah. he like is letting himself write a pop song because you know that he can based upon all the Beatlesiness and the Beach right. Boysiness or whatever. But he's like almost hiding it under the lo-fi production and the weird aesthetic choices. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is where he kinda opens up that like, yeah, fuck you. I can write a pop song. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. that's what made me mad. And, like, you and, could have been doing this the whole
0: time. For, for the <laughs> <Yeah>. last song <laughs> the on end. the record. I'm like, I'm 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 like, I'm a little bit mad. I'm like, why like you're gonna Best make me last, wait buddy. for the last fucking song? But Best yeah, dude, it's so good. Okay. So, I want to talk music theory for just a second. Do what? it. Go off, King. My my favorite part is this progression because, okay, he, like, alternates between the sort of main progression and then he has, like, a hook progression. But But the main part of it is he starts on the one, goes to the two, to the four. Which one, two, four is automatically? I'm a thousand percent on board with. That's seventy five percent of the songs that I write. And then he goes to the flat seven. Right after that, he goes like, na 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 why have I never done that i'm <laughs> yeah. so mad it's so good it's pretty clever it's I love so it. good it's very beatles very Beach boys and it is perfect for the closing song on this record
3: like if Community. you were actually wanting to make a hit record you would have almost completely flipped the 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 track order where right. you would have just it, it promised yeah. would have been the second track you would have done something like well, fairly upbeat like big trucks or whatever mm-hmm. is the first song and then you would have done promises like the second or the third track right just to be mm-hmm. the thing that hooks people yeah. but just the either the foolishness or the confidence to just like do to the save opposite it for thing. the
0: last track like, yeah yeah that's what yeah. i'm saying <laughs> fuck you dave Vazan why did you make me wait till the end it's so good
1: it's so good <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a bold move for sure, and yeah. I just think I don't know. I maybe I'm maybe I'm sort of noticing my own kind of hangups or preferences that might be a little traditionalist, perhaps. But I think like when I, you know, earlier when I was talking about the secret of the easy oak, that being a better closing track because it has the outro jam and it has right. like the long, you know, kind of yeah, yeah. track run like run time. And I still just I'm falling back on that. I'm I'm wanting that still. But yeah. at the same time, I can hold both. I can hold like kind of my preference, and I can mm-hmm. also hold how badass of a move it is <laughs> to just short banger go out on, the line, go out yes. on a short yeah. straight <laughs> straight banger <laughs> yeah. expectations that a listener might have, and to just be like, Nope, this is the record. You know, yeah. promises last and it's the poppiest, like radio ready song on right. the album.
0: It makes me <laughs> so mad. But I get yeah. it. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: I want to know what the singles were, if any, from this record. Do we have the. Yeah. I, I don't know this lore because I've only encountered this after the fact where I just
1: listened to it as an album. As a record, yeah.
3: Yeah. But like, did Jade Tree or, you know, because it was clearly re released, remastered and re released mm, on Jade right. Tree.
2: Like, did they
3: show it around a college a radio or whatever?
1: Yeah. yeah. Big trucks. Maybe. I want to know what it is. Like, yeah. Got it. Oh, gotta, there was a
2: Big Trucks was a 7-inch single in 1998 on Made in Mexico. Okay.
1: okay. Yeah. Oh, before J-Tree. Even. Before wow. J-Tree.
2: Oh. Yeah, I don't see anything for that J-Tree did for the re-release. But nothing
1: about promise, huh?
2: No promise, man. No promise. We, Only Big Trucks. I can't
1: promise you that David Bazan will have a... It's because it's too short. <laughs> a single it's anywhere, anywhere that If he'd awesome. done
2: like a bridge and then another course, Easy. Well, single. he does keep yeah, does a true. bridge
3: where with the with the polyrhythmic guitar part like the when right. it's such a big
1: surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, what a nice surprise that. That's mm-hmm. a bridge. But oh, it's yeah. like five seconds It's long. so fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know what? That's my favorite part of the song. Yeah. 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 I love that part of the song. Like that drew me in more than anything else. I love the whole song, but I definitely really clicked sonically with that part. <laughs> So and it, and it was so short. <laughs> like I know. Okay, so the big a... takeaway is fuck you Dave Bazan. For... <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is too good. Why is this at the end of the album? But it's perfect. You started your album with a a song that's like what? Fucking 88 BPM. In six and eight, got slow and you end with two, this? Like, then... <laughs> come on, man! I'm so mad. That's so good. Mm-hmm. It's too good.
1: Uh, Pretty yeah. insane. Somehow he made it happen. I know. There's dude. a
0: there's a there's an
3: artistic integrity though to just the trusting your gut about these sort of things, right? Even mm-hmm. if it's not the commercial choice, like there's totally. uh, there's a song that we. It's going to be a single, it's not on the next record that my band's doing, but it's going to be like a standalone uh, A-side, B-side single mm-hmm. with, you know, two songs that we'll do next spring. And it is two minutes long. Uh, a minute of that is an instrumental intro that happens and it just abruptly ends. And every time we play it live, there's always like a, confi- it's, it's also one of our catchiest songs that we've right. ever written. And every time we play it live, there's always like a confusion of like it's over. over? We were we were just getting going, (laughs) and we got so much like hate feedback from like you've gotta like add a bridge, make it longer, do it again, you know, like or whatever. And there was just something in me that was a little bit like you know like like, I'm I'm, no, I'm good, man. No, I like that song. That's that's how that song goes.
0: (laughs) You like it? Listen to it it again. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So we listened to this entire record, and I doubt that there is any confusion about whether this is a flop or a bop. We've been real on the fence about the whole thing <laughs> for most of us. <laughs> but, you know, we have to do
1: it for the, for sake, the sake of the show. For the sake of tradition. For the sake of That's the true. art form that okay. is church fans So, now.
0: Ben, you brought this record to us. This obviously was very important to you. It would be surprising to me if after all of this, you were like, fuck this record. It sucks. It's it's a flop. (laughs) So I want (laughs) to know right now. Let's get it. Let's get it out of the way. Was this record a flop or a bop for you? Maybe. Maybe it's a bop. It's a bop, man. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. Why was it a bop for you, man? Like from nineteen ninety-eight to two thousand or whenever you first heard this record to twenty twenty-three, why is it a bop still in twenty twenty-three? I think the songwriting's there,
3: and it is like it feels like watching an artist that somehow be sprang up from the ground fully formed. There's so much creativity and instinct and uh, uh, a genuine authenticity of these are my tastes and these are my instincts right. and the specific of the story, both his experiences Dave is on, but then the characters that then becomes the, like the thing that we all want to lean into and listen to because it becomes the universal. Right. So I, uh, I think that it's just very fun to listen to you. And it has, uh, Years of traction with me of returning to it, so there's something instinctual about my right. need for. It's hard to find a
1: friend, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. There's like okay. some deep nostalgia there, but also, if you came to it today, you're like, there's so much to mine. Right. I, I
3: think I would, I think I would struggle through the first half of the record, and then, and, then, <laughs> and then it would get, it would absolutely it's like on. just scoop me up in its arms. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. Well, you know, with without putting like too fine a point on it if anyone listening to this show has never heard A Place for Owls if you like this record fucking go listen to A Place for Owls (laughs) like (laughs) like, you know know, like that's true there is a definite through line like there is a similar sort of like authenticity and musicality I
2: want to know though, is in a place for owls, is there a place for Juan the Owl specifically? (laughs) That's why you named your band that, huh? Gotcha, right? dude.
0: Josh,
1: have you been sitting reference. on that all goddamn
2: No, night I just <laughs> realized it. I was like, his band is an owl too.
3: Dude, there's so many layers to that. There's the there's the just the love of the animal like animal band name that page of the Lion, I think right. gave me. I did not right. actually know that the production company or whatever was one. Music owl publishing, I, yeah, yeah. I looked it up today. Uh, but we're we're also kind of named after a uh, uh, low level owl with the appleseed what, cast with the, what appleseed cast? Why yeah, did I blank dude. on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so okay. there's, we'll, uh, we'll
0: we'll we'll cut the part where you, you didn't remember. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 my favorite band. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's, the song? what's the name? Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. Okay, TJ. Well, Kylan, I am feeling uh, a little bit like here I think you often do. I'm ready. I'm so Um, ready for this (laughs) because I think you quickly gained the understanding from, from our followers as a miser and got a lot of flack for that. And, and you've been able to to kind of come back into the good graces of those who maybe were a little frustrated with you for that um, earlier on. and, well, I maybe. Hey,
0: hey, TJ, can I tell you?
1: Tell me the secret
0: of an easy oak is that I can pretend to be a skalmizer, uh huh, but I really kind of secretly love it,
1: and that makes what I'm about to say really hard. Oh, y'all, no. this album flops for me. Oh, and really? Here's the thing. Oh, really? I just, I couldn't, I couldn't like draw it out any longer because I, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings for any longer. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think I'm an early Pedro Miser. I think I love what Bazan figured out over the course of his career and especially what he started to dial in on Curse Your Branches. I think that was the inflection point for me being like, I like what you're doing so much and it really resonates, it really lands. The thing is though, this album is not like a clear flop. It is, it really is like, it was right on the fence and it just falls on the flop side because I think for one thing we mentioned Elliot Smith earlier, I, I have been trying to figure out listening to this album, why it doesn't click with me as much as some of his stuff does. And I think it's the, the vocal quality, the tone, the, the range of voice. I think his lower voice register doesn't really click with me as much. So what I've noticed is that more of his later work, he uses his upper register more and I love his voice. So that's not me nasing Bazan's voice, but I think his lower register and the kind of like slacker vocal style that he was a little more prone to use, I think earlier on in that lower register, just like the melody could be great. The song structure could be great. The arrangement could be great. I'm even down for the kind of DIY like 90s analog like whole deal of this album but his his vocal register there's something about it that like I do fall asleep the lyrics draw me in and that that none of that was a bit like I couldn't bop this conversation harder because analyzing these lyrics talking about it all of that getting in the into the nitty-gritty of who he is as a person his journey your experience with with the music bin is like really profound and really moving to me and so it's lighting him up as a musician and as an artist in a new way for me but i have to still say that if i were to sit down and listen to this album on my own not in the context of these beautiful faces in front of me right now that I'm talking to and, and having great conversation with. But if I were just in a room on my own listening to this album, I'd be like, I'm kind of bored a little bit. It's not because the songwriting is not there. It's not because he's not a killer player. He, I mean, the fact that he plays the drums on this album, I have mad respect for that and the guitar work and probably wrote the bass parts, right. Even though there was a different basis, like he's, he's the full package. And I think that I just want him to be a little bit better than he is in this iteration sort of as That's a vocal valid. performer yeah, yeah. as a vocal performer and, and kind of like the songwriting, like I really feel like Christian branch is like, he kind of got so clean and like tight with his songwriting. I don't know. And also it's probably just more of a nostalgia thing for me. That album like hit me at the right time, right place, right, the right way. And I don't have the, all of those like emotional and, experiential associations with this album at all right like i dropped into right. it in 2023 and it's oh, you know man it's it's the it's music from an artist that i came to know and love later in his career so i was going off of that paradigm of like this is david was well know. it's
3: almost like you if you had never heard uh nashville skyline by bob dylan and you hear his country voice for the first time where he's yep. like, L-l-l-l-l-l-l. you know, like <laughs> yep. you would, you would be like, that's not exactly. the same person, and the songwriting's still there, but right. like, why did you, why did he make that performative? What was that choice, choice? exactly? Yeah, yep, and that, that sums it up well. There's a, I, I kind of resonate with the vocal stuff because he gets an agedness to his voice where mm-hmm. when he goes high in his, he's a baritone, but when he sings, right. tries to sing like a tenor. He when he's pushing it, there's a heartbreakiness, yes. and a plaintiveness to that yes. that is not replicated when he's Ooh. in the lower register. So right. I I can empathize and and see yeah. that.
1: Yeah, there's an emotional like pull that happens in that in that higher uh, space vocally, and yeah, totally that stuff gets me every time. And yeah. and I see him do that a lot live too. Yes, um, which I love. Like he's like really reaching for it and really throwing himself fully into the performance um yes. so i could also say as a caveat that i think if i saw this album live i think it would be a bop full yeah. on without any like hesitance at all and i reserve the right <laughs> uh, to change to change all my right. my flop assessment um for sure as we but, go further through this but, catalog.
0: man oh man i gotta tell you I am so excited for a like classic
1: articulated TJ flop. <laughs> I
0: feel like it's been yep. a long time coming, man. Like, it has. like... yeah,
1: because I've been really like stoked on things and and I just I had know. to like draw the line on this one. But but I had to qualify it too, because you know I have to. Right. <laughs> I have to and make, make it make so... sense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> beautiful and articulate and i love it and it all makes so much sense
1: and it's a little sad too isn't it it is but <laughs> oh you God, know what sad.
0: that's that's totally valid and that's the whole show because you know yeah we you know i personally feel like our show would not be as interesting if we were all just constantly like
1: yeah yeah this record i'm not trying rules. to throw bops out willy-nilly right like i I, I'm and very and if know. anyone
0: was to flop this record, it 100% <laughs> makes sense for you because you can, like, you've kind of I'll like, send you
1: all my, the, my dissertation well, on it. Yeah, yeah, later no, 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 you,
0: you, you, you've kind <laughs> of like essay, persuaded will. <laughs> me to <laughs> your side. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, yes, this all makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that being said I'm a total vibe guy I'm a total sad emo boy (laughs) and yeah I mean this is like Christian Elliot Smith I'm like (laughs) yep well I wasn't allowed to listen to Elliot Smith but I was allowed to listen to this and I was like yeah I'm sad the same way he's sad yep yeah this record is perfect for me I love it (laughs) it's so good yeah dude so I am much less articulate than you but this is a bop for me
1: no Very less nice. valid Very and nice. real and right. i think you you actually summed it up well <laughs> yeah but different right
0: okay so it comes down to you beautiful producer josh Bpj. it falls what to you me guy? are, you, are you going to break ben's heart <laughs> Our guest on the show. <laughs> I know. It falls
2: to me whether I can half and half it here in a line mm-hmm. with TJ or uh, we can do majority rule. Right. So I will say yeah. going into this record, I was honestly like, uh, I'm not really because i listened to it a little bit in the past, but nothing like super memorable. And like I said, I like a lot of later Pedro stuff. So I went in and I was like, ah, I'm, I might have to flop this. Like I was not really like looking forward to it, honestly. But I was like, I'll listen to it. And then I listened to it. And I really enjoyed it. And I, obviously, Dave's lyric stuff is easy to just like draw you right. in and be like, whoa, this is well, so good. It's, but there was it's just kind like, of
0: like, you know what? I, I'm so sorry to interrupt, Josh. but it's, <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> it, 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 it's kind of similar to when we talked to Carson about Switchfoot and mm-hmm. John Foreman of like, there are a few guys within the milieu of what we talk about on this show that there is a certain expectation of lyrical exceptionism Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. they're just so good that there is a potential for flopping if they don't hit that. Mm -hmm. they're not perfect it's a failure right because there is like such an expectation of like oh fuck this guy is so good at this very specific thing if it does not hit that mark it can be a flop yeah yeah I will just give that his worst
2: song could be someone else's best song but yours is like this is not not up to your standard exactly so
0: I I will give that caveat before you give your flopper bop it's true. Right.
2: It's true. But I was listening to this at work, and I was just like caught up in just like a lot of the musical moments, especially in like the later half of the record, like some of the well and mm-hmm. secret of the easy yoke and the the bells. Oof! Like just like the music of it was vibing hard with me. So I went in yeah. expecting a flop, and was pleasantly surprised that I will give this a bop,
0: hey, a strong one at that. <laughs> A strong one, a strong oh, one. Strong, yes, really
1: enjoyed it. Bob. From Josh, oh, that's nice, beautiful. Man. That's good. I'm glad we went 75-25 uh, on this one. That's that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, like
0: TJ, I'm not mad at you for flopping this. <laughs>
1: Just disappointed. No, 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 no. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, I'm not even disappointed, man. Like
0: I get it; it a thousand percent makes sense. I appreciate it, and I like that that we all came to a bop, sans TJ, from different yep. perspectives. Like I think
2: what it, we've
1: it, learned it, here it all makes sense
2: if the promise is your favorite song you're gonna bop it if it's not
1: you're gonna flop it right yeah. if you want right. the western story songs well <laughs> there's one there's one on there yeah and <laughs> yeah. yeah. i love that thing yeah no i it's love the so promise good. too. that song rules i i probably would bop an ep and it probably would be the faster songs i'd probably bop like yeah yeah you know big trucks and the promise and uh yeah, and including the easy oak, I I probably do a four song EP with big trucks. Um, what's the one I like? Uh, Suspect fled the scene, mm-hmm. the promise, and then easy oak.
3: Would you include uh, that? It's
1: wild. Well, it's wild
3: to me that bad diary days is like one of his most streamed songs or whatever. And right. in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, it feels like the the emo classic. Right. And none of us, none of us picked that one. Andrew. Andrew, even, yeah, yeah we, we even kind of rips it up a little
1: bit you know yeah I would right. include Bad Dairy Days I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go, there you there go. That gets a, a Stone Cold Bop for me right. yeah. I can take that
2: <laughs> uh, tell us about <laughs> your band Working, uh, uh, thank yeah. you beautiful yeah. producer plugs Josh. give us
3: some plugs so uh, uh, A Place for Owls we just um, you know our our A place our for big plugs. That just happened to us. A Place for Plugs <laughs> uh, yep. the big thing that just happened to us is we did <laughs> Three, three three dates with Switchfoot, which was a ridiculous situation. Uh, we are we are never going to open for one of the biggest rock groups in the world. <laughs> <laughs> we, you peaked. Like, you did it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. We uh we immediately like the Saturday after we got back from tour. I played the DIY punk venue to like sixty sweaty kids <laughs> opening for. Uh, an emo band that I love called a week, but still in bed. And so, uh, it was just a great sort of like super huge sold out club shows with one of the largest Christian rock groups in the world. And then queer emo kids, uh, even, uh, in a DIY space. So what that's excellent the s- dichotomy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the sort of, uh, stuff we got coming up. We're uh play in shows locally in Denver. We're uh we finished recording our second full length that's gonna come out next year, probably nice. probably realistically, because we're likely going to self-fund it uh and self-release cool. it, but but do vinyl and do an actual physical release. Yeah. Awesome. So uh so that's to get the logistics and vinyl production schedule and money together, it's likely the the next LP is gonna be like next late summer at the earliest. Sweet. And if there's any big bands that uh, li- listen to this podcast, <laughs> uh, we're really trying to to get the you know like the 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 church the church jams now sort of uh, heyday. Like we're trying to open for May. Uh, we would literally Ooh, really like, nice. That's that's on the bu- yeah, li- bucket list of we would really like to because they're still they're still going and going strong. Right. So we would yeah. like them. Uh, we also you know the. It, it pick your poison of the peak uh, emo and and right. youth group stuff. So we would like to be the go to emerging band that plays for uh, some of the you know the giant classics in this scene yeah, that we're dude. that
1: we're talking. I love about. that. Yeah. I feel like you figured out a good lane. That's like a good <laughs> that, place to hang yeah. out. You know, like, I would like well, for we'll you to we'll be that, that band. too.
3: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a there's also uh, it's also weird to play with a bunch of like. Uh, godless punk bands and then also play with some of the biggest <laughs> right yeah totally <laughs> yeah. yeah. that, that's that,
0: so fun that dichotomy is what has been the most interesting mm-hmm. to me <laughs> like yeah. I just I I love it me it's too perfect <laughs> sweet okay uh, if you like nonsense like this we have more like it at churchins or sorry at patreon.com slash Podcast. follow us on all the social media at Church In- Now, and of course follow Denver for owls. Uh may Ooh-hoo. all your favorite bands stay together and peace out monsters.